This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode 231. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. We are kicking off a brand new week of podcasting, epic week of podcasting coming up with episode 231. The concluding part of a two-part series we have called The Waniverse. Well I say we, Jamie J. Salmon's guest on this episode coined the term Waniverse. We're sticking by that story. It seems legit and as far as I'm concerned, you will have to arm wrestle me to prove me wrong. This is the second of two round tables that we've recorded on this topic. The first round table was based on the movies directly directed, yeah that's right, uh, by James Wan himself and on this episode we're expanding it out to look at those properties that are an extension or sequels of the movies that James Wan spun out of his brain and onto the screen. So yeah, this is the Waniverse part two. Coming up after the first break, before we get to that, let me con you in on what is coming this week. So much podcasting, you will not have a chance to take a day off because today is the Waniverse. Tomorrow is a special bonus episode with a review of the new Bruce McDonald film Dreamland. You're also getting on that episode an interview with this guy and Bruce McDonald sitting down chatting about the release of this movie, what went into the process and just generally bits and bobs about his career. So that is coming tomorrow. On Thursday, Movie Club Announcement will be announcing what the second Spanish language movie in our four-part uh, jaunt through Spanish language horror will be. Then, on Friday, you get another bonus episode with another bonus review. We'll be looking at After Midnight, a new title that Anno Video is putting out. It's directed by Jeremy Gardner, he of Battery Fame, and Christian Stella. And guess what? There's an interview in that episode as well with this guy chatting to those guys about that movie. Can't wait for you all to hear that. One of my favourite reviews and interviews in a little while. And then on Saturday is, of course, Listener Choice. And then on Sunday, it's Killer Croc 2 as part of our 88 Films Italian Collection series. On the Teapots Collective, yesterday we dropped a brand new Doing the Nasty. So go and check that out. And at the end of this week, the next instalment of Chronicle Drops, closing out Chapter 2 of season three looking at British folk horror, we will be turning our attention to a little lesser known movie called Requiem for a Village. So that is coming up end of the week. Okay, this is a long one, so strap yourself in. We're gonna be running over the three hour mark with this episode. I hope you enjoy, but first, promos for shows that I love. I'll be right back with my guests, Bo Ransdell and Jamie G. Sammons to talk Waniverse part two right after this. Want to learn more about horror directors with a lighthearted look at three of their movies? Meet fearless podcaster Gore Blimey. I've been unsettled by bats in the past and startled by parrots, and I've even been known to jump at the odd cockatoo. 
discover horror films that are classics, and others too. There's a topless aerobics massacre, an exploding rock singer, cannibals, nude martial arts, a deep fried But it's not all silliness. You'll get proper movie breakdowns, opinion, and background information too. Yep, in the 80s and 90s, Jeff Stryker was huge in gay porn. In every sense. So if you're a horror film fan, come and check out the Trilogy of Terror podcast at strangeanddeadly.com or find it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or on your podcatcher. One of those people that has a certain charisma and a certain style, and I'm just hoping one day he'll rub off on me. The Trilogy of Terror podcast, where we try three times harder to give you the willies. And welcome back, ladies and gents. So here we are, as promised, and you didn't have to wait a year and a bit. Uh, This is the second of two planned rim tables looking at the Wanniverse. The first part, which we put out a couple of weeks ago, uh, covered all the genre movies directed by James Wan. This second part is covering essentially all the movies that have spun off from those uh, properties. Now, it's probably worth noting just now, the glaring omission here is there is no Saw movies, and that is because we are not doing them. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's for another podcast, and another day, and another time. Instead, on this episode, we will be covering the continuation of the Insidious movies, and the movies that have spun out of the Conjuring uh, or the Conjuring Averse, or whatever we're fucking calling it. This is the Wan Averse. I'm joined with my two very special guests at the moment. First guest that will introduce you coined the phrase Wan Averse in my eyes, which means it's fact, because that's how this works. It's my show and my recording, so once it's recorded in, that means it's fact. Um, she is maybe the most delightful person you will ever speak to in a podcast. Very witty, very intelligent, and a lot of fun. Uh, she's here to tell us why she made us do this show. <laughs> As of course the phenomenal Jamie J. Sammons. How are you doing, Jamie? I am doing very well and I'm so excited to be doing the second part of this show. There are people who thought it was never going to come. And uh, then there are people on this podcast who was hoping that it wouldn't. But, um, but here we are. And... Um, now, I fully admit, what did I call the second sad half? Um, yeah, the second sad half, which I think is the greatest is, uh, <laughs> the, Yeah, this is, I'm not going to have, spoiler, I'm not going to have the amount of enthusiasm for all of these movies that I had for the first ones. However, there are a couple here that I am enthusiastic about, so there's that. But uh, mainly, I just like uh, hanging out with you guys and hearing Bo Bitch. Yeah, that's that. I think we're going to have an abundance of on this episode. So let's let's bring him into the conversation. He is, of course, my colleague on Duncan and Bo. Come correct. He is a, a rather charming man when he isn't being such an asshole, which is most of the time. I've fired the shots early. Why not? Uh, he's my good friend, uh, long time podcast colleague. I made sure I put in good friend there because he'll moan about that as well. As of course, Bo Ransdell. How you doing, sir? I've got complaints. Uh, no, I am, I'm very well. I'm excited to to talk, talk about these movies so that I don't ever have to talk about them again. Um, it's sort of I, I liken it to uh, trying to come up with your meal right before you're sentenced to death. Oh, they you know, of uh, just like well, what sounds good. Right before they run like twenty thousand volts through my body, 
I think I'm going to go with the mac and cheese. <laughs> so that's that's how I feel about this. Like, see, when you came in there, you were like, yeah, I've got stuff to say, all the rest. I couldn't help but think of that great Simpson clip where it's the it's like old man shouts at Cloud. Um, yes. And I, I just had this, you, a picture of you just shouting uh, a collection of movies uh, spun off from James Wan properties. Because uh, we are going to go through them and... What is interesting about this one is going back through these, some of them have went further down in my estimations, and some of them weren't as bad as I remembered them being, so that's, once again, damning with faint praise, they're still not great. There's at least one movie in here that I genuinely think is good, and one that I think had a bit of potential. Um, I'm leaving those uh, those cards close to my chest, though, and we will get into it. Um, I want to say that we got a ton of great feedback for our initial run through and yeah a lot of people were digging that turns out Bo uh, myself yourself and the minority people are with Jamie on this one uh, there is general love which would explain why his movies make so much money uh, there's general love in the horror community for James Wan and uh, his installments of the Wanniverse so we apparently will have to sit here and eat some humble pie my friend I, I refuse to I will continue to eat my superior sorbet <laughs> my smug Sunday. Um, yes where I'm like look you you have every right to be wrong about these movies um, <laughs> I, I firmly believe that that every like but that that's that's film in general, right? There, yeah. there is a high degree of subjectivity. Um, only a handful of these movies are objectively shitty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where it's just like these, these don't make sense. Mm. Um, but for the most part, like, yeah, I, look, I'm just not a fan of of jump scares, and these movies are fucking sick with them. And uh, and that that tends to as we get any of these movies uh as i was doing my notes on on these films that was one thing that came up over and over again uh and i will probably repeat this at some point later in the in the episode but loud music and a sudden thing on the screen does not a scare make (laughs) oh with that with that introduction jamie do you want to bask in the glory of your righteousness Jamie, <laughs> silent basking. <laughs> I do that every day, Duncan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kind of used to it by now. <laughs> we have. We have <laughs> cue the cackle. Um, we we have we have a. a, a I was going to say a good collection. We have a long collection of movies that we're going to get through today. On this episode, we will be covering Annabelle from 2014, Insidious Chapter 3 from 2015, Annabelle Creation from 2017, The Last Key, which is Insidious Chapter 4 from 2018, The Nun from 2018, Annabelle Comes From from 2019, and The Curse of... La Llorona eh, of 2019 as well. So thus far this year, none out. That being said, eh, there is a new Conjuring film due this year and I want to say there's at least one more James Wan property supposed to drop this year um, and there's about two planned for next year in the greater universe. I think we're getting a none to 
and uh, there has been discussions afoot about The Crooked Man, which would be another spin-off from the second Conjuring movie. There's also talk afoot about Insidious Chapter 5 and it landing sometime in the next two years as well. So this train ain't a slowing down. Anything is just getting started. And yeah, all these movies make a lot of money. Uh, I, I don't think any of them have been considered a financial failure yet. So that's once again a credit to good marketing and to be honest things that people can latch into the the way movies are now designed that you know, we've seen it fail when they tried the dark universe um, but for the most part people have kind of bought into this idea of this large sprawling kind of web-like mass of movies that connect into things and it's all very comic book and it's become very popular and it should surprise no one that that kind of tried and tested model has worked quite well in the horror genre, which is a genre primarily built out of sequels and remakes. So it should surprise no one. Um, let's let's get into this. We're going to kick off with the first one here. It's Annabelle from 2014. So this one spun off the back of The Conjuring. Um, this one is directed by John R. Leonetti um, and written by Gary Doberman. The movie itself, uh, I'm trying to think if there's any people really worth mentioning here. Um, oh, I suppose we, we could mention Tony Amondola, uh, who plays Father Perez, who will appear later on, guys. So do not worry, he isn't coming back. But we've got Ward Norton, Annabelle Wallace, um, Kerry O'Malley, Brian Howey, uh, Ivor Broger which is a great name, um, which is, oh uh, dear, Ivor Biggin, um, Gabriel Bateman, sorry, Matt says the humour is shite today, um, but I'm making myself laugh, so that's all that counts. The synopsis for this one is, a couple begins to experience terrifying supernatural occurrences involving a vintage doll shortly after their home is invaded by satanic cultists. That will happen. You know what I mean? That will happen. You invite them in, things will go awry. They will not close the fridge door. They will leave the carton of milk out on the counter. How fucking dare they? And they never use coasters. Never use coasters. And they only they, they only use one sheet of toilet paper. Because <laughs> that's the thing as well, Jamie. Well, we've got a we've got a shortage, so that's okay. Um, <laughs> now, actually, I saw Mary Lou Henner on a late night show years ago. I'm probably like 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, and uh, she said that regardless of the go, like regardless of what number, she always only ever uses one square of toilet paper, <laughs> and that has stuck with me for about 20 years because. <laughs> It's kind of horrifying. It's like you should always have you should always have like a a three sheet minimum. You know, one forward, one back, and one to polish. Surely. Yeah. No. Is that just, is that just me? I like the polish. I'm just like, hey, we're just this is the double tap. You know, we're just making sure. Making sure our poop doesn't come back from the grave on us or something. Just scoot across the carpet. Damn this hardwood floor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Got splinters in me arse. <laughs> Show's been invaded by pirates. Um, <laughs> 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 
Your well, we're talking about in, booty. <laughs> you best be believing you're in a poop story. <laughs> <laughs> that gives a whole new meaning to the phrase poop deck. <laughs> oh, okay. That's what it was used for. That's what it was used for. Uh, that's not true. That was made up. Um, right, let's kick this off with Paul, who's made copious notes and is champing at the bit. Now, while we're doing this, I will let the people out there know that I have persuaded myself to drink for this episode. So I have just finished a tall Irish coffee and I'm about to jump on to some, I'm never, I'm never going to get a sponsorship by them, but some Brewdog Zombie Cake, which is a praline chocolate horror. Um, the description on the side says, Dark forces are at work in this devilishly good praline porter. Toffee and chocolate unite and they come a-knocking. Open up this smooth, roasty character with notes of vanilla, mellow coffee and a subtle nuttiness. And a bittersweet cliffhanger finale. Zombie cake. Grab a slice. So, Bo, I've just grabbed myself a slice of some zombie cake. Tell us why you adore Annabelle. Uh, Annabelle is uh, a below average film (laughs) in which uh, a dumb doll um, uh, haunts people. Why you dumb doll, you? And the, the, the movie, here's the biggest problem with Annabelle is it rips off movies that are way better like mm-hmm. it punches way above its weight and not in the good way mm-hmm. where it's like it's really trying to do something it, it this is a movie that was like rosemary's baby was pretty good <laughs> we could have a scene from that and then people are freaked out about helter skelter we could do a scene from that mm. And then the exorcist was pretty awesome <laughs> we could do a scene from that and that's kind of the movie. It's just a lot of stuff that that bounces from scene to scene without a whole lot of sense to connect the events. And it's just riffs like the whole laundry room scene is the laundry room scene from R- Rosemary's Baby. And mm-hmm. the end of the movie is The Exorcist. And it's a really shitty version of The Exorcist. <laughs> but it is. And there's just a lot of that stuff where it's very familiar horror tropes done without any inspiration or creativity it's it's like a a mad libs of stuff you've seen before done better i mean you're not wrong (laughs) i was surprised that this is one of the not this is not one of the titles i was surprised is better than i remember it being it isn't um it's not as worse as i thought it was either on the revisit if you know what I mean because I remember like we I think me and you discussed this way back when Annabelle Creation came out and I went on this massive diatribe about how bad Annabelle was and you were like listen you're kind of hating it for all the wrong reasons you know what I mean like I was like oh you know and it's it's poorly written and it's terribly acted and you know and actually when I came back to watch it it isn't the thing is it's not poorly written it's not actually poorly acted either the issue is exactly what you said it feels like there's there's someone here who has done a lot of research now when i said research there you could not see but i put that in quotation marks um Mm -hmm. so they've done a lot of research by watching movies um and like you say picked bits and elements to to kind of tie into their movie without necessarily concentrating in, on what made those elements within the context of the movies are taken from effective. 
So what you get is anything like any scary scene from one of an I you know one of a myriad of like amazing time you know time telling horror movies can be ruined by taking it out of context and playing it. The the reason like certain scares are effective is usually about what precedes the event up to it, and and you know its impact is is profound because of that you know it impacts more because there's a quieter aspect or we've been paying off this you know this scare for the last five minutes um annabelle just gives you the punch um and it doesn't actually give you any of the the lead up to the punch and i think that was the biggest issue for me is actually surprisingly well shot in parts which really quite shocked me like the, the cinematography isn't isn't stale and I had it in the back of my head it was and I, I remember this very vividly as being a very flat feeling movie and I think it's more the scares are flat um, and not remarkable and you are standing on the shoulders of, of movies that have done creepy dolls before and most of them aren't great I'll be honest Um but there are a couple of really good ones out there. But as soon as you start, you know, jumping the gun, so to speak, um, and doing what they do in this movie, specifically paying homage... It's not even homage to, like, just, like, standard horror movies. It's paying homage to some of the greatest horror movies ever fucking made. <laughs> yeah, like, universally recognised as the greatest. And it's just like, well, you know, if it worked for their movie, it'll work in this one. Um, and that's, yeah. that's the wrong approach. Um, and it, 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 it surprised me at how little effect I I felt watching it back. Like, nothing to me even remotely made the heart start to go, ooh. <laughs> like, you know I mean? It's just the, the experience. But what I did this time was I did appreciate, like I say, some of the cinematography. It's a very beautiful looking movie. Um, in fact, all of these movies, for the most part, are shot relatively. You know, the, the, there's, there's really good cinematography in parts. Um, maybe the nuns are, are different. We'll get to that, but um, but yeah. So I I don't know. I I came out at the end of it kind of thinking I remember this movie being a movie that I hated. Uh, it turns out I don't hate it. I'm just you know what? I'm just disappointed. <laughs> Sorry, um, Jamie. Where do you come down on Annabelle? Well, remember earlier when I said that there were some movies that I was like really enthusiastic about. Mm-hmm. This is not one of them. This movie has what I call the leprechaun effect. And that and the is... leprechaun, don't be stealing yeah. my pot of gold, Jamie. Stop <laughs> it. Knock it off, man. The leprechaun's coming to get you. That's not You're freaking me out. Adorable. Um, and that is that I keep... I won't watch it for a long time, and then I'll say, oh, I'll watch that. That'll be fun. And then I watch it and I go, motherfucker, that's not fun. Like, I, but that happens every time with Leprechaun. That movie bores the shit out of me. And every every few years, I'll I'll say, well, let me watch Leprechaun. That'll be fun. No, it's not. And then <laughs> this one, I've seen it three times. Um, and I, first time I saw it, I was like, ew. Like, I didn't like it. And then the second time, I was like, you know what? I was I was up by myself and I was like let me let me watch that maybe it's not as bad as I remember no it really was and then um I, I watched it again for this and then no it really is like it's 
and the thing is, you're right. The the it's not shot badly. It's mm-hmm. that's not the problem. And I don't think the performances are the problem. I think the problem is exactly what Bo said, and that is really that just they do a lot of recycled rehash bullshit here. Like they don't expect people to notice. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they do it as if we're not going to. And then I think, well, these movies a lot of these movies tend to be geared not toward horror fans, but mm-hmm. more toward the normies. Like, it's more like your mainstream stuff. I mean, mainstream loves Annabelle. I mean, the first one. They mm-hmm. love this movie, and I don't understand it. But I I guess it's because they don't realize, if they're normies, how much everything was ripped off from everything else. But, yeah. like, you're exactly right. The Rosemary's Baby, Dead of the Exorcist, like, anything good you can think of. And they criminally wasted Alfre Woodard, which I don't even, I don't understand that. I love that, her. That may be the biggest crime of this movie <laughs> is to have an actress of Alfre Woodard's caliber in this and just be like, I don't know. What if she just Go runs out the- into the street and hands <laughs> a, a stranger a book? And it's like, Alfre Woodard had to be just reading this script day to day and being like, I mean, I guess I need another pool. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. And then at the end, everything culminates in her character sacrificing herself for these people. Like, like I don't fucking strangers. <laughs> yes, like no, no, just no. I'm sorry. You know, like it's it doesn't make any sense. Um, and when I first <laughs> when I first saw the doll, like I'm kind of used to it now. And in the later Annabelle films. I like more than this one, so I'm okay with it. But when I first saw this movie and that doll, who would buy that doll? It was yeah. like this the first thing going through my mind. Why would you put and why would you put it in a room where you want to have a baby? Like that is just cruel. <laughs> I don't understand yeah. as well the propensity in this movie to show you what the real doll actually looks like. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like to, to me, that 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 is maybe one of the the egregious parts of like the entire one of kind of side of things, specifically with the conjuring, is when they actually show you like the real pictures of things, and you're like, oh no, that's you know, like especially with the, the conjuring two that we spoke about in the previous one, when you see how emaciated those kids look. <laughs> You know, you're just like, oh, that's fucking terrifying. And then you see how they look in the movie and they're all like, oh, Gavna, showing your shoes for a shitting. You know what I mean? You're like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why do you look like characters from me? I don't, I don't get it. But Annabelle as well, when you, when you see that doll, the first thing you're thinking is, the fuck will that be in my house? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like. Like, the first thing I thought when I saw it is burn it, it's evil. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like, right. <laughs> You know, <laughs> ring of salt rimmed it, burn it, we will all be safe. You know, like, like nuke it from orbit, it's the only way to be sure. You know what I mean? It's, that, that's what I'm thinking about, but they're like, no, let's bring it in. And <laughs> I just don't... I paid a lot of money for this. Like, well, I don't know why. <laughs> but the... I just don't get it. I don't think the beginning is bad. Like, I think it starts off well. I'm into it in the beginning. And, like, when they have, like, the home invasion and everything. And and even, like, the little things like the sewing machine or the, um, the, am I thinking of, did I just mix it up with, uh, is a stove? 
Is it this yeah, movie? Yeah, the popcorn the thing it okay. happens on. Yeah, that happens yeah. in this movie. I mean, when they're doing like in the beginning, like the little subtle paranormal stuff, I'm okay with that. You know, and even the scene that unfortunately, that was like the one of the most prominent scenes in the. Tr- and then it ended up being the only scene really worthy of being scary at all mm. in the movie. But then, of course, you knew about it already because it was in the trailer. It was when, you know, she comes running at her. Um, I th- I think that worked okay. But it's just as we go as we go more and more and more into it, then you realize, oh, well, I've seen that before. Well, oh, I've seen that before. And, and then I know that there are going to be people out there going, well, you said the same thing about James Wan, but it wasn't a bad thing when James Wan did it. I know. <laughs> because James Wan knows what he's doing and so he can take those tropes and he can use them and he uses them effectively he's really good at it but this film just took all this stuff you've seen before and like slapdash haphazardly threw it in there and was hoping no one would notice and I don't really think it amounted to anything I just feel like it was um nothing flowed it's 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 like here's something you remember full stop there's something else you remember, full stop. You know, like to me, it just didn't feel blended or like it goes together and it felt like just here's a scene that has nothing to do with anything. Here's another scene. Don't try to put them together. They don't really make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> Alfred Woodard's out there. Like that's that's the movie. And, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just, I, I, um, it's from, yeah, the, it's from the director of Mortal Kombat Annihilation, though, Jamie. I don't know well, if you I, know that. <laughs> And the butter, the butterfly effect too. Like also, or butterfly effect too, because there is such a thing. There is the butterfly effect too. He also did that movie. So, if Annabelle is your best movie, what kind of fucking world are you living? (laughs) But, (laughs) um, yeah, I. Like Jamie said, I, I I think the oh boy, he also did Wolves at Your Door. I don't know what that is. It's the it's the Manson family, one of the Manson family ripoffs. Uh, it's not oh. very good. It's like it's under an hour and twenty minutes long. Um, it's really 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 bad. And um, yeah, he did it with the same writer, which makes me think maybe. They did Annabelle and they were like, you know this Manson family kind of rip off stuff we're doing here? We should make another movie. <laughs> what if we ripped off more of the Manson family? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I Right. I, I think, as we've said, the, the biggest problem with Annabelle um, is, is that it feels very piecemeal. But also, let's not undersell how, like I said, fucking sick this movie is with a loud music sting and then something just popping up. I don't know what you mean, Bo. (laughs) It it drives me fucking crazy in these movies. And I'm going to try not to point out every time it happens because there's one movie that very much doesn't do that. Yeah. And it is, it is, it's like a fucking work of art in comparison where you're like, my God, it's full of stars. That that somebody did a horror movie that isn't just BAMP and then <laughs> It 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 drives me Can crazy. I have that sound please? I wanna <laughs> I mean just watch ten minutes of Annabelle and you're gonna get two or three instances of that of that very thing. 
Um, the, the closest this movie gets to subtlety is where you have like the the mother in the movie uh, like when the cult breaks in when she's like in a bedroom or something and you see the, the cult girl walk behind her and it's like oh that's kind of creepy and then as soon as she turns around BAM! You're like, God damn it! I really want a game show to use that when people get it wrong it's <laughs> so it's, 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 it's just no longer that's my new poem like from one cut yeah. of the dead like, <laughs> it's, it's no longer it's poem if only this movie had a tenth of the creativity of one cut of the dead uh yeah it it just drives me nuts that like there there are films that go out of their way to you know create tension and mood and atmosphere and then create dread you know like i just recently saw that movie the lodge which i I don't think is a great movie but i think it 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 does a really good job of creating an atmosphere that is conducive to a horror film where you're like some fucking terrible is gonna happen spoilers nothing really happens in that movie oh i've not Um, seen it yet come on man (laughs) it's uh you're fine um (laughs) when you see it we'll talk about it but it does it, I it do, both. but it has a, this great atmosphere to the film and that's the as I was watching The Lodge and thinking about doing this show it was like oh yeah there really is such a uh, a lost art in modern horror filmmaking to just creating an atmosphere that makes you feel unnerved mm. And and that is something that one, maybe two of these movies that we're going to talk about actually manages to accomplish. And the rest of it is all just, you know, bomb. Uh, <laughs> so, like I said, I'm going to try not to every it like footnote every one of these movies with and all the goddamn jump scares. But uh, Annabelle in particular, this one and I think uh, that Insidious the last key are the ones that are like, you guys need to fucking stop it. <laughs> I'm writing a letter. Oh. Oh, <laughs> I was morphing into a Karen. <laughs> I don't know what that is. He just reminded me of a grandpa. I mean, not a grandpa. The grandpa. <laughs> like, the only thing I ever... What was it? The only thing I could never stomach about living in Santa Carla was all the goddamn jump scares. <laughs> yeah. It, right. <laughs> it's, and, but, it, but I do... I, I feel slowly being left behind by a lot of modern horror films that are, are full of that kind of shit where I'm like, That's this isn't... been there, though. Like, I, I keep saying that. Like, we're just more... We're just hyper aware of it. It's always been there. Like, you look at... Interestingly enough, as we speak just now, we have been working our way through a massive list of movies for the Summer Teapot's Top 10 series um, in the 2000s. And I can tell you right now, there is a fucking tsunami of jump scare based movies. It was the same when we went through the 90s series. There is a tsunami of jump scare movies and when we did the 80s as well it's just full of I mean not completely wall to wall full of but that's I I think in a lot of respects Jamie's hit the nail on the head this movie is geared specifically at people that tend not to really critique or frequent 
like horror movies on the regular. The, this that that's why you can brazenly get away with putting in a like a like a, a massive nod to something like Rosemary's Baby. In fact, beyond a nod, uh, you know, to to Rosemary's Baby because there's a very very good chance that. 80% of your viewing audiences who will be, what, 15, 16 that are going to see this movie right. will have no fucking idea what Rosemary's Baby is and I've never seen it. So to them, it's this fresh original horror movie, which is kind of sad, but that's the industry is, that's what the, the industry's been doing that forever. The problem, I think, which is most egregious in this run of movies we're going to be talking about is that to to me that is the you know the green wash that we were talking about on the saw movies you know what I mean it's used almost universally in every single one of these movies that are spun off they have a formula and they do not deviate from that formula and the formula once again to lean back on what Jamie said and I think she's hit the nail on the head is James Wan we spoke about it I think has a really, really interesting use of is not always playing exactly the timing you expect them to do. And it's sometimes just a little bit off. And as a result of that, I think some of those scares are super effective. Some of them land right on the nose exactly where you expect them to come. But then I think that's what makes the other ones more effective is you get lulled into the sense that he's just going to do the kind of cookie cutter version um, of his jump scares and then he does them slightly off and as a result they get an impact it's almost as if someone has been like yeah jump scares are, are what makes one movies really successful so let's just let's just do more of them let's just like all the time like wall to wall front to back and a jump scare is a useful tactic in a horror movie when utilised right not when you signpost it so far in advance. I know it's coming because I can already hear the music start to ramp up and it's building up and we're going to turn around the corner or we're going to shut a fucking med- medicine cabinet door. And you can, te- If you telegraph it so obviously, then it's going to have no effect on someone who is seasoned to it. Um, but I know from seeing, what, five of these movies in the cinema from the list we're talking about, um, that, the, yeah, they the, the majority of people that went to see it the popcorn went up the jumps the screams the, the hugging into their partner um, because they worked on them they didn't work on me like and I could I could see them I could see them coming a mile off <laughs> like like here over here comes the jump scare yep exactly where I thought it was um, and it's just it's a bit depressing and maybe these movies aren't made for us but there is a part of me that feels that the people that are involved with the project, for for the most part, um, are people that work in the genre. So I kind of always expect someone to be sitting there going, no, let's make one for the horror fans. Um, and they don't always do it. And I, I think that's where I... But yeah, the, the, the whole jump scare thing has been... It's, it's just... It's an easy tool to use. It doesn't, it doesn't cost anyone anything other than nudging the sound guy to turn the volume up and having someone walk past the door um, you know what I mean that is literally it, it's like textbook but yeah I know plenty of jump scares that utilise exactly the same technique as that that I would argue are placed absolutely fucking brilliantly in movies so it's, it's, all, about, it's all about context and the Annabelle movies for the most part um, or Annabelle as a movie in general for the most part just doesn't understand that context it just feels like if it throws it on the screen you will be scared uh, and then I will do another one and you'll be even more scared because that's how that works two is better than one um, 
and it just doesn't it doesn't land it's, it's a weird one but I, I, once again side with Jamie I know people that will go toe to toe in battle with me to say that Annabelle is a great movie and I just don't get I don't I, I just don't understand it at all because to me even coming back the, my positives coming back into this one was it wasn't as badly acted as I thought it was and it was shot better than what it was that's it <laughs> like, right yeah this wasn't a total piece of shit um, yeah like time has not been kind to anything else about that movie except the the hatred I had for how it looked turns out that was maybe bias on my part um, and yeah it wasn't as active as badly as I thought it was everything else though is just not very good at all and it's not it's not a terrible movie it's just a beige example of a, a, a box ticking exercise for for a horror movie where it's like that you know what the kids like kids like this tick the kids also like this I just don't I, it just doesn't resonate with me um, at all which is I don't know which is a shame because like that one you would think from a horror perspective that should have killed <laughs> anymore Annabelle movies and they're like no 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 but then part of me is like without that Annabelle movie you don't get Annabelle creation which is a movie we're going to be talking about shortly and I kind of like that movie so maybe you have to get a bad one out of the way to make a good one just saying right. and, and then go back and make another bad one well I don't think that's well we'll get to that um, uh-huh. <laughs> shots fired uh, right let's turn our attention to I mean we're, we're kicking off a franchise with Annabelle Oh, we didn't know we were, but we were. Um, let's continue third movie deep into the unlikely franchise, uh, which apparently was always a likely franchise and Duncan should have known better. Insidious. This is Insidious Chapter 3 from 2015. This one is written and directed by Lee Winnell, um, who we have spoken about in the previous episode, uh, where I basically said, listen, this guy has, in my opinion, really stepped up with The Invisible Man, but I don't really care for anything else he's directed. Um, will that change in this one? We will find out, because I hadn't watched Insidious Chapter 3 since it originally came out. Um, so, this one stars uh, Derm- Dermot Mulroney, uh, Stephanie Scott, Angus Sampson, Lee Winnell is in here, playing his role as Specs. Uh, we have Lynn Shea, who is obviously she the, is the character we're now following on with um, and there's plenty of other people that we'll get into for sure um, synopsis for this one is listed on IMDb don't know why my voice broke there um, is a prequel set before the haunting of the Lambert family that reveals how gifted psychic Elise Rainier reluctantly agrees to use her ability to contact the dead in order to help a teenage girl who's been targeted by a dangerous supernatural entity so you get to the end of that second movie, we gear up the cliffhanger, we're like, oh yeah, this is what's going to get the people in the next movie, and then we're like, pump the brakes, let's go back in time. Uh, (laughs) We jump back uh, to do a prequel to answer a question that I would argue, I know I'm going to get some shade here, Um, maybe, I don't know, I don't know for certain, Uh, I would argue, I didn't, uh, it's answering a question I didn't need answered. I don't need to know why Eloise is, you know, a, a psychic or why she got into the business. I don't need to know that at all, like even a single bit. And I'll kick it, I'll lead on this one. Insidious Chapter 3 was a movie that when I saw it, I 
kind of took to the internet with a bit of gusto, I like that word, um, and said that I felt the movie was pointless. And the reason I felt the movie was pointless is the fact that I know that Eloise as a character is alive and insidious means that everything, every iota of peril that that character is put into in this movie doesn't amount to anything at all because I know she's fine so that doesn't negate that there are creepy scenes in this movie because I actually think there are some really good creepy scenes here but I think all the peril they set up with that character is null and void with the fact that I know she is in the first insidious movie so it's a frustrating watch for me because I think there are elements in here that given just a standalone horror movie would actually elevate this not a huge amount but into a more competent realm um the the actual like entity the evil entity itself in this movie i think there are certain scenes where it's genuinely quite creepy and i i think some of the 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 choices behind how it is it it scares work on screen or its attacks are really well done once again, enjoy that aspect. I think the, the kind of opening sequences to this movie are really, really well done. It grabs your attention, it pulls you along. And then we introduce the, the, the kind of idea of what Eloise is doing as a character, her you know association with how she's going to go on to become the character that she will become. And that's where the movie for all intents and purposes, loses me. I have zero interest in that in this movie. Um, mostly because, once again, I know where that goes. Plus, I actually dug that second Insidious movie. Remember I said it was the better one? And I kind of wanted to see where that story was going to go because the cliffhanger it left on was like, right, let's let's go crazy with it. Let's go full on campy crazy. And this one, they're like, no, no, no. No campy crazy. Let's go back to frozen spills and chills. And, um... Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, this one is the one that I will say is not as... as it actually went up in my estimations watching it this time because I dropped a bit of that baggage to do with the, the, the prequel status of it. I still think it's completely needless though. I, I don't need to know anything about that character and by making her a character who is in any sort of jeopardy at all does not work for me because I've seen two movies set after this. And that is where I will stop. Um, we'll do it in reverse order this time, so we will swing this to Jamie. Jamie, talk to us about Insidious Chapter 3. Okay, this is one of the ones that I'm enthusiastic about. I really like this one. Now, need... No, I don't need it. But I don't need any horror sequel, I guess. I Part just... three, you should have been... You didn't... You, the cliffhanger at the end of that second movie, you weren't like, I need another one of these. I need to well, know what happens. I need another one just because I like the world. Yes. But mm. I don't... Um, I don't, like... I don't know. I mean, like, well, you said you didn't need to know about Elise. I didn't either, but I don't mind it. Mm. I honestly think 1L is the one person who has taken over with the Wanniverse who actually knows how to make a movie like James Wan. And it's because they came up together. They work together all the time. It's be, it would probably be impossible. I'll bet he can probably forge his signature even. <laughs> like they're, that, that's just 
how close they are and how much they've done together. And to me, this stylistically, this feels like a Wan film. Mm. And it's closer than any of the other ones. But I also think it's like has some genuinely scary moments. That breathing guy, yeah. oh my God, he freaks me out. He really does. And then um, it's just like everything, every time we see him, it just runs all over me. There's something really creepy about him. And I feel sorry for the for the poor girl and she's trapped like she's trapped. She can't really do anything. It's not like she can jump out and run, you know. Um, and that whole scene where he's like busting her up, you know, like breaking the cast and forcing her to walk on on her legs when she shouldn't be walking on her legs and you mm. can just hear the bones like that just oh my god. I, it works for me. It works really well. I also I'm a big fan of Dermot Mulroney. I feel like he was a little bit stiff in this film compared to other things that I've seen him in. I So, it almost felt like he didn't, like he wasn't completely in it. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, what else have I seen him in recently? Maybe he wasn't. Maybe he just, you know, wanted some money. But <laughs> I was glad to see him, though, because I like him. And then it, um, but he did, he was a little bit stiff, I have to say. But I can't remember a girl's name who played the lead. But she, I thought she was so good. Um, and that could be uh, Stephanie Scott, maybe. Maybe. Um, maybe. She. Um, I thought she was really good. Uh, I like the scene, like the little subtle things, like when the knocking on the wall. But between her neighbor and her, you know, and then she's texting her neighbor, and she's like, "Oh, knocking on the wall. I'm not home. What? You know, I." Stuff like that, well, because I love paranormal movies. So, stuff like that, if it's done well, is guaranteed to work on me. I am an easy mark for ghosts uh, and stuff like that. So, if you do it right, then you're going to get me. And I feel like I feel like Wanell can do it. I, I feel like he knows what he's doing as much as James Wan does as far as that goes. Like, they both know what works for me. Um I like the bit about the the older the lady the old lady that lives in the building with him and, um, you know she kind of knows what's going on but she is, you know she has dementia so she doesn't nobody listens to her so she just babbles you know and I don't know there are a lot of, there's a lot of stuff about this that I really really liked I this one is probably one of I want to say probably it is to me one of the strongest films in the extended Wanniverse. Like in all the movies that we're talking about today, I think there's one, maybe two, that come up ahead of this one, but it's pretty high up. This, I think it was pretty successful. Handing it across to Bo Ransdell, who is the man with the notes. What does your notes say? Agree or disagree? Who are you, who, who are you leaning more to with? Or are, are you actually, uh, you love it more than what we've said or dislike it more? I like it when the girl got hit by the car. Bull run. And, uh, I thought that. <laughs> I thought that was that, my existence, honestly. <laughs> I thought that was pretty rocking, and then the rest of it, I don't care. Um, I like. It, I I kind of agree with you, Duncan. 
that I just I don't need this backstory. I don't care about these characters that are interesting side characters. But as I've said before, very unpopularly, <laughs> I don't find Lin Shay particularly compelling as an actress. Uh, I know a lot of people love her. I'm sure she's a wonderful person. I this is not a personal attack. Shots fired. Lin Shay's a just, bitch. Says poor Ansdell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, the Legion podcast, Bo Ransdell says Lin Shay stole money from me. Um, no, I like I, she hashtag seems, brazen hussy. Yeah, she she seems like a perfectly wonderful person. I don't think that she's ever given a performance that made me think like they need to give her a movie. And and I think that when you do. Uh, when you do, um, I think when you do it. It puts a lot of pressure on her to carry a film that I don't think is. I, I think it's okay. I suppose oh, <laughs> is is my ultimate review. It's like if somebody was like, "I really, really like Insidious Chapter Three. I'm like, "Yeah, fine." It's it's ate up with jump scares, which you know, see above regarding my opinion on that, <laughs> and also. Uh, I don't care about the main character very much. I don't care about the origin of Specs and the other guy. Tucker. And Tucker and Dale versus Evil. <laughs> and um and I think like like all this stuff that happens, it, it's a reasonable enough story. I just don't find it particularly engaging. Mm. Um like I said, the the thing that I found most interesting about the movie was the scene where the girl got hit by a car. I was like, that that was pretty good. That that woke me up for a second, and then, um, you know, the, some of the stuff with the girl being slowly erased uh, was kind of neat, and and that's kind of like, would I recommend it? No, but if somebody <laughs> said I really like it, I'm like, ah, fine. If you like these movies, it's not the worst of them. <laughs> then delete them from your Rolodex. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. I'm like, all right, well, I I probably shouldn't. I don't like, know why I just associated you with owning a Rolodex. Don't know. Um, probably because of me saying I don't know what it means when people talk about a Karen. <laughs> I hear. I, I've I heard just that. Assumed it's because he was old. I, yeah, I, I hear that a lot, and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck that refers to. How and, do you and not also, know I, that? You I don't. What do you think I do all day? I'm busy. I don't have time to pay attention to that shit. I got things to do, Jack. <laughs> Use the sentence earlier on this movie is sick with jump scares, and then you're gonna tell me you don't understand the term McCadden. I don't I I don't know what <laughs> it is. I like I, I don't it does it refer to a particular Karen? No. Any <laughs> Karen. Like, okay. Jamie, oh, don't don't clue him in. please clue him in. Please, please. No, please don't. Please I do. <laughs> I, I only have so many years left, and I don't need that in my brain. Spoken <laughs> like a true Karen. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like so, social media bullshit, and I couldn't care less. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh. Right, let's, let's swing this on to a movie that I actually think might universally receive quite a bit of praise here. So, we didn't particularly enjoy... Annabelle's first outing um, and then after me just saying I don't need a prequel to show me where things come from um, they were like let's let's take the formula and let's apply it to Annabelle to piss Duncan off 
and somehow weirdly made a movie that I really fucking like. Uh, Annabelle Creation from 2017. This is directed by David F. Sandberg. Now I know what you're thinking. I know that name. Why do I know that name? Well, I'll tell you why. Because the year before this, he did Lights Out. And since then, he's done Shazam, uh, which is a movie I really fucking liked. It's uh, very good, yeah. It's surprisingly good. And um, yeah, there are, I mean, that's New Line Cinema as well. And there is like one or two death scenes in that one, which are right from a fucking horror movie. So I uh, kind of love that. Um, so yeah, so this was his kind of second out and he did Lights Out. And it did well. He did Annabelle Creation, uh, which I think is better than Lights Out. But we'll get to that. Um, this one is starring... Uh, <laughs> it's like they're trying to make me cry. Uh, Anthony La Plagilia. <laughs> That's not La right. Paglia. Oh, don't, how dare you pronounce that right. Uh, Samara <laughs> Lee. <laughs> Miranda. <It's> Samara. <laughs> uh, oh, for fuck's sake. Miranda Otto. Miranda <laughs> uh, Brad Greenquist? Oh, no, no yeah, you're in your own there. Yep, uh, Lulu Wilson, which is a great name. Uh, oh, I'm not even doing any more of these. Fuck it. Um, so, synopsis for this one is 12 years after the tragic death of the little girl, a doll maker and his wife welcome a nun and several girls from a shuttering orphanage to their home. Eh? Shuttered, sorry, Jesus. Uh, shut, shuttering orphanage. Uh, when they become a <laughs> This is my day. First day speaking English. Uh, and then they become the target of the doll maker's possessed creation. Annabelle. Now I'm going to say he probably didn't set out to make a possessed doll, yet he did make it look creepy, which makes me wonder why he made it. <laughs> like, I mean, I will make this doll. Because, like, I'd pain for losing a chair that will make this grotesque doll uh, <laughs> to cheer me up. I don't know. Uh, anyway, um, we'll swing it back. To, in fact, we'll start with Jamie this time. Jamie, Annabelle Creation 2017. Me and Bo are probably going to swing in quite high on this one. Can you feel the love tonight? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, first of all, this is... I always end up lumping this in with the Ouija 2. Or Ouija yeah, the Awakening. I do the, or I do the same. Ouija, what the fuck is the name of it? Ouija, Ouija Origins the of Evil. The, the, yeah. Flanagan's. Flanagan's. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, because right around the same time, these movies came out, and the first ones were crap. And then decent directors came in, and suddenly the second ones were really good. I don't know what so, you're on about. Did you not hear Mortal Kombat Annihilation, Jamie? Yeah. I, oh, I forgot. Um, this guy. Well, first of all, I was excited anyway, because I was a huge fan of Lights Out, the mm -hmm. short film. Um, that scared the crap out of me on a regular basis. Uh, like, every time I watch this. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> that scared me. <laughs> The crap out of me every time I watched it. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so sorry. Please tell me you're gonna take that out. That is <laughs> never in a million years. Ah no. Um and then when he did the full length version of it, I I wasn't mad at it. I was like, oh, okay, this it works, you know. 
then when I found out he was doing this movie, I was like, okay, well, you know, let's give him a shot. And I'll be damned. It is so much better. One, um, there... I don't know, like you mentioned with the doll, like, I don't know why you would make the doll. Their daughter was so cute, and that doll is not, you know, like, she was adorable. But yeah, this is how I will immortalize my dead girl by making right. this creepy fucking doll. You're like, thanks, Dad. Um, <laughs> plus, uh, Lulu Wilson, is it, which is funny, because she's also in Ouija, Origins of Evil, which, mm-hmm. that's kind of funny. Um, but she's just adorable, love her. And I, I don't know this, this, this really works for me. I've seen this one numerous times, and it even has a good bit of gore, which I, which I get excited about. But I think all the stuff, as far as the the little notes, and as far as like luring her in to the room, to you know. And like till we get to the reveal of what's going on, but as like far as far as like luring her in and all of that stuff works, you know. Like then even the something simple like the sheet mm-hmm. that you know suddenly there's nothing there, and that's been done before, um, the haunting, but <laughs> but it does work, and I'm I'm pretty okay with it. I like the characters. I enjoy the family. I, this is a such a such a difference. It's such a difference. So much so that I typically will just ignore the first one altogether. And since this is an origin story, mm-hmm. I just pretend like this is where it began. And I just ignore the first one and go straight to this one. And yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised. The what does upset me about it is that I know a lot of people. Same thing happened with Ouija. <laughs> refused to see them because the first ones were so bad yeah. that they wouldn't see the second ones. And I'm like, no, no, these are, these are done by people who know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's a difference, but that's, that's the shame in that is that these superior films end up suffering because people were so disappointed by the first one. Now in Annabelle case, not so much in Annabelle's case as in Ouija. Um, Cause like I said earlier, the mainstream was all over Annabelle. They loved the mm-hmm. shit out of that movie. So this movie did pretty well because everyone loved the first one. So that was okay. But among horror fans, once they were soured by the first one, they didn't really so much want to see the second one. And that kind of made me sad because, uh, you know, it was really very good. So, yeah, this one, again, uh, just like with Insidious 3, this one is one of the stronger ones. Um, I'm not going to say where, but it's definitely up there. What, what I love about like Annabelle creation is very much why Lights Out is, and maybe not as high on Lights Out as you are, Jamie. Um, the feature movie, I do, I do like it. I like it. I like how vicious it gets. I mean, it's a very, very, very vicious movie, and that actually translates really well into Annabelle creation, which at times is a surprisingly vicious movie. Um, but it's the fact that uh, Sandberg himself, from the previous movie, worked on this premise of you know use of shadow as a setup to a scare or a reveal, and that translates really well in Annabelle creation. A lot of 
why this movie is successful, in my opinion, is one, the, the kind of gothic horror feel of it, for sure, but the idea of quite a lot of it being set up to to be a, a kind of a, a playfulness about the use of darkness, tone and shadow in the movie um, as a way to set up the scares, which I said before, it's about context. You can't just have like the loud noise and that's it. Everything that leads up to it is surprisingly well done. I think this movie is cast perfectly. I think all the the characters are brilliant. I really, really enjoy it. I love how it spins out. I love the mythology about the, the you know the 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 origin of the doll. I, I, there's it feels like there has been time taken to craft a story here, which feels a bit more interesting. Yes, at times there are kind of derivative sort of horror cliches and sequences in here. But I genuinely feel they're handled with a bit more depth than you saw in the original Annabelle movie, where we're actually trying to put our own spin on them or we are contextualising them in a, a, a smarter way in this movie. And then on top of all that, I think had Annabelle creation just been a standalone movie, it would never have been Annabelle creation, uh, but had it just been a standalone movie, I genuinely think, you know, it works on that premise of not having to, even though it doesn't link up to the first movie, because it has to. You know, I, I mean, this this feels like a, a great one-and-done horror movie, you know, and I, I think there's a lot of credit to that. It's, it's one that I've seen three times now, so the first time in the cinema, and went in with the most pessimistic mind ever and came out, like, just feeling like I'd, you know found this like hidden gem that no one had seen. I genuinely was walking on air coming out of the cinema from seeing it because I thought it did so many things well. Um, the second time I watched it, I was apprehensive because I was like, you know, maybe this is it was a packed cinema that I saw it in. That sometimes has an effect on your viewing experience and will it hold up now that I know how the movie plays out. And the second time I enjoyed it more for this third time watching it for this one. I enjoyed it even more again. I surprisingly think this movie gets better every time I watch it because I notice other little techniques that Sam Berg puts in. It is a thumping strong movie. Um, and I think very much like yourself, I do exactly the same. I know Bo does exactly the same because this one and Flanagan's Ouija movie came out about the same time. I, ju- I do just lump these two into good examples of what can happen with franchises when you put the hands of those movies in talented directors. Now, I then would go and espouse that this was the way everything should be done and sadly, there's been plenty of franchise movies since that have not had that impact. Great example would be that Sinister 2 movie, which was flat as a pancake for me and had a great director behind it or, you know, even the the inside guys doing that Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie and I was like, this is going to be bitching. Um, and then I watched and I was like, this is not what I wanted. Um, so yeah, I think it's weird. I think if you pick, the, I think the key is to pick a director who fits the mould of the story you're trying to tell as opposed to just picking a director who had a smash indie hit. Um, I think that maybe works because when you think about why 
the Ouija movie works so well is that movie feels like a Mike Flanagan movie. Um, even from the, like, I would be, if someone had told me that he wrote the script, I would believe he wrote the script. And the same in this one here, the techniques and the way it's utilised and the viciousness um, is very lights out in the way it's delivered. And I think that's why it works. It feels like a, a, a logical stepping stone uh, for this director and he, he hits it out of the park. Uh, Bo Ransdell, I know you're high on life and high on this movie. The question is, how high? Uh, I love this movie. Mm. I think it's fucking great. Um, it is uh, like it, it's kind of what you guys said. It, the story itself, I think, is fun. You know, it, it is a serviceable story to get connect this to the Annabelle and their for Conjuring universe and all that stuff. Um, you know, when it gets to the end and and it does its direct connection to the the first Annabelle movie, <laughs> then I'm like, ah, fine, whatever. But uh, it, it it's all about how you do it, right? Like everybody can fuck, not everybody fucks well. Yeah. And, <laughs> it's the name of my autobiography. <laughs> yeah, and da- David Sandberg is a guy that's got the rhythm and the tricks. Uh, and we'll slip a finger right in the butthole <laughs> when you least expect it and most want it. And uh, I think that <laughs> I think Annabelle uh, creation is it, it's just a legit great horror movie. Like the scares work. Mm. It is it is filled with really tense scenes um, and a, a variety of it. It's like a buffet of horror gags. You know, and I don't mean gags in the sense of jokes, but gags in the sense of like, here is a premise and here's how we're going to set it up and here's how we're going to pay it off. And there are a ton of them, whether it's the the scarecrow in the barn or the thing under the stairs or the, you know, the the chair lift up the stairs and all of this stuff. It, it's just there to do a gag. And the question is, can Sandberg make those gags work? And he can. So when you're watching this movie, it is a like every time you turn around, especially on the back end of it, there is just a creepy setup happening that, you know, is going to pay off in a couple of minutes Mm. and you don't know exactly how, but you know, it's gonna, and it is the, it's easily the only movie on this list that I can genuinely say I was scared watching it. Like there are moments in this movie, I get really tense and unnerved. And I, I think it's great. I think it's a great movie. Uh, I think it's really scary. I, it, it's one of those movies that when people uh, talk about this whole series, I'm like, you know, most of it's garbage, but that Annabelle creation is a great fucking movie. And it's a great fucking movie, too. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I love it. It, it is It is the only time in the, this whole conversation you're going to hear me say, like, I don't care who you are. If you've never seen Annabelle Creation, you ought to watch it. It is it, it it's frightening. It's well done. It's well acted. It's beautifully shot. Um All the little secrets of the movie of like, oh, why is Miranda Otto being kept in a bedroom and all that stuff like from the first moment that you open that little uh closet and it's lined with pages from the bible it's like you need to close that fucking door girl uh mm-hmm. that that thing needs to stay shut and you know it 
like all that stuff is creepy. The the little girl uh, is creepy. Like the you know spoilers. There's another kid hit by a fucking car in about the first five minutes. <laughs> yeah, and it's awesome. I'm it starting to awesome. think that Bo's got like a, a like a, a girl being hit by car fetish that I'm it's- just not aware of. <laughs> I don't think it matters who's getting hit. I think it's a crash <laughs> thing where I don't care if it's Brad Pitt and Meet Joe Black or, uh, you know. Or the movie Crash Bowl, huh? Wait, wait. That's right. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> where where every time I see somebody that gets hit by a car in a movie and it's done well, I'm like, fuck, that looks like that fucking hurt. Um <laughs> So, yeah, and it was weird that in watching these movies, consecutive movies, mind you, mm-hmm. have a young girl hit, getting hit by a car in both of them. I was like, well, I guess it's just in the, the zeitgeist at the time. <laughs> you know, just as a nation, we were thinking about young women being hit by cars. And, uh, yeah, so uh, that aside, or maybe especially because of that, uh, I think an Annabelle creation is, is fantastic. It's it's truly a, a movie that is done by someone who understands the the mechanics and the timing of horror, and absolutely exercises his ability in a in a satisfying and frightening way. Um, I when I watched it again, I watched it like a middle of the afternoon on a Sunday, and I was like, "Fuck, this movie is creepy as shit." <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's great. I love this movie. Nice, nice. Well, we have one more movie to Woo-hoo! discuss. I know this is weird. I don't yeah, know. he has not said that about any other movie in the entire one of us. Yeah, the closest probably death sentence, but. Even then, I don't recall you saying you loved it. So yeah, no, this is the a hundred percent spoilers for the end of the show. This is the best movie in this franchise, hands down. Wow, there we go, there we go. I, I get a feeling that none of us will unite again. <laughs> like I think that was the only time, uh, the only time we've all drawn up. Uh, we've got one more movie to discuss before we take a short break. Uh, and this is actually the last movie currently as it stands just now in the Insidious franchise. Now, like I said um, earlier on, I believe there is an Insidious 5 planned somewhere in the next two years. I believe it is also supposed to be the next chapter after the second movie. So we'll continue that story on, although I will believe it when I see it because we're going to discuss Insidious The Last Key. This one is directed by Adam Robital. Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking to yourself, wait one second, I know that name. Why do I know that name? What has he directed? Well, let me tell you right now. This guy is the guy behind Escape Room, which is a movie I really like. If I'm honest, I didn't really like Escape Room. I thought it was dumb. And he has Escape Room 2 on the way, supposedly out this year. Um, You could fill the Grand Canyon with the amount of fucks I give about that movie, but I will still go and see it because this is my life now and... Yeah, sad. Uh, However, he's cutting his chops here with a little bit of Insidious The Last Key. We have Lynn Shea, Lee Winnell, Angus Sampson, Kirk, Someday, Asvidio, (laughs) that's not right, Uh, Caitlin Gerrard, Spencer Locke, Josh Stewart, Tessa Ferrier, 
Um, and loads of other folk. Fuck this. Bruce Davidson's in it, though. That's all you need to know. Um, the synopsis for this one is... A parapsychologist, Dr. Elise Rainier, faces her most fearsome and personal haunting yet as she's drawn back to her ghostly childhood home where the terror began. So, yeah, we set up why she's doing the things she's doing. Now let's find out why she's really doing the things she's doing. You see what we're doing there? Oh, yeah. This is the last key to unlock the mystery behind this character. Now, now... I, I I really dislike this movie. <laughs> like really, really. Uh, but I, I I will I will let the floor over. Uh, we'll, we'll spin it back round. He's just spoke, but we can speak again. I imagine he's going to pick off some of my talking points, but less less aggressively Scottish than I will do it. Uh, Boranstall thoughts on Insidious: The Last Key. This movie is shite. Um, <laughs> yarg. <laughs> yarg. Uh, you best be believing in shitty movies. You're in one. Um, so. <laughs> Does it always go back? I don't know. Uh, it's it, To me, the, the long and short of all of Scotland comes down to Jeffrey Rush. And, and Pirates, of the, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. <laughs> Naturally, that's what I'm an American. That's what I understand about geography. Uh, so, I Insidious: The Last Key is a uh, a staggeringly stupid movie uh, in which uh, characters that I don't care about um, do stupid and or creepy things, and I don't mean creepy in the sense of like this is a scary movie. Uh, the oh, coming off the dizzying highs, Duncan, Dizzy. of of Annabelle creation to the plumb the depths of the this fucking franchise. Um, Davy Jones's locker bowl. Let, yeah, let me let me ask a couple of questions Uh-oh. by way of reviewing this movie. Okay, why doesn't Elise care that her adult partners are hitting on her, maybe of age granddaughters? Um, that was one of those things that every time it came up in the movie, I'm like, why is she okay with this? These are grown men who are like, you know, who's hot? Your granddaughters, Elise. I kind of want to fuck them if that's cool with you. Ugh. Um, I, so I think those characters are terrible. Uh, Bruce Davison is in the movie for about what? Seven minutes more than I am. You could argue best part of the movie though. Probably the best part of the movie, which is why he's not in it that much. He was like, how much do I have to be in this? Look, I was in Along Came the Devil and Along Came the Devil 2. And I believe uh, that this movie is worse. And he was right. Uh, (laughs) Wow. I don't think I would say that. (laughs) It's... Oh my god! Bush has gone crazy. He's just like the the the, the reins are off. Look, I just find a difficult time understanding why anyone thought this was a good idea. Um, it the the closest I will grant you is the idea of this like evil demon that has keys for fingers. Fine with that. If that were in a different movie, maybe that would have worked. But instead, it's all about uh, Tucker and Dale trying to fuck Elise's grandkids, one of whom is psychic also, 
and Elise discovering that her father is the most prolific fucking serial killer oh, in like yeah. state history. Oh, oh, bull. And then, and then immediately getting a jingle from uh, uh, the the folks uh, what are in the original Insidious and being like, you know what? I'm dealing with some shit here, but I think I should probably hit the road. <laughs> I, you may you may have recently heard about a, a decades-old serial murderer. I'm his daughter. Remember, no? Let, let, let me, let, let me around your young children. <laughs> yeah. Do you mind if I hang out with it? No, no, no. It wasn't his fault. It was just a demon that has possessed our family for generations. And I was just in the house, but don't worry about it. Um... I'll shiver before I come up. It's okay. Right. Like, I'm going to, I'm washing my hands. I put on the mask. Uh, I'm good. It's, it's just like, it's one of those things that when you, when you sit down and kind of write down, here's what happens in yeah. this movie, yeah. you're like, the fuck? Who thought this was okay? It honestly feels like, and I don't, I don't want to feel like we're, we're, we're teaming up here, although that's exactly what we're doing. Um, so, <laughs> so let it be known. Um, it does feel like this is a different movie, and they've just written the the characters from Insidious into it. You know what I mean? I, that's that's how it feels to me because there is absolutely this is the problem with prequels, and I've always said this, and I stand by it. As soon as you make a prequel, specifically a prequel that links in directly to your first movie, you need to make sure that shit is airtight. Like, literally, there can be no discrepancy at all. It needs to flow organically straight in. So the first time I see that character in that very first movie, I should be like, right, you know, this this is exactly how this is supposed to be. And when you don't do that, it causes me, like... A, like a fucking aneurysm like and movies do this a lot to the point that whether it's a fucking cabin fever prequel which I mean not make any fucking sense at all even to the small things like oh you know what we'll do we'll, we'll remake uh, Red Dragon um, we'll re- do it shittier but and at the end of that one Hannibal you know he's, he's going to be standing in his room and we're going to be all jokey nudgy nudgy oh and by the way Clary Starring's going to come and see you and it, like, the, it doesn't make like that is not how we first see like all these things it, there's a disconnect here the Eloise character that we meet in the very first, and I feel like such a fucking nerd, um, where we first see her that way is not walking through the door with the baggage that this character has just experienced through this movie. Ain't no fucking way. No way. Like, and that is the thing that pisses me off because not only did you feel the need to give me a prequel before, which, like I said before, I, I mean, right, fine. It at least has decent scares. This one here has the, the the key thing. It's cool as fuck. That's the frustrating thing. On its own, that's a creepy fucking thing, right? But then you set up, oh, yeah, the, the, you know, our dad's been locking people up in suitcases for years. There's, there's bones in the wall, bo, bones in the wall. Um, like, all this shit. And then she's like, well, that's another case closed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like, yeah. There, I, so this is my my problem with like uh, uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, right? Mm. 
it is the same thing where it in Raiders, Indiana Jones is a complete skeptic. You know, it's like, hey, I don't believe in that that shit, Marcus. I got this revolver in case I run into anything in quotes supernatural. <laughs> On Kara Stones, never heard of them. Yeah. And then, yeah, you do Temple of Doom, and it's like, that is full of nothing but supernatural. You got hypnotized by dust, and they had these stones, and people are ripping hearts out without killing people. Yeah. And, and it, it kind of drains some of the, the the gravity of Raiders of the Lost Ark. It, it, it betrays the character that I've grown to love. And now here's a character that I haven't grown to love. But it still betrays that character that, like, by the like, you're right. By the time you get to Insidious, she should be on the phone with her therapist every night, <laughs> being like, "Yeah, you know that house that I never want to go back to because of all the abuse and stuff." Turns out he was a serial killer. Hang on a second. Yeah, I'll be right there for the seance and the gas mask. Yeah, like, she, should be, she should be throwing that at that family's face in the first movie. Every time they're like, "Yeah, but this piano move," she's like, "Oh well, my dad's the worst serial killer in Americans, you know, America's history." Like, I think we can handle the fucking piano playing itself, right? You know what I mean? Like, like suitcases yeah, like, in the wall. <laughs> yeah, why isn't she like you fucking pussies? <laughs> you and your fucking Darth Maul demon. Oh, my kid went to the first. I had to unpack bones out of a fucking hat box in a crawl space. By the way, thought I found a ghost. Turns out, just a really fucked up person. How about that? You know. <laughs> oh, you way. guys make me sick. <laughs> by the way, because you've mentioned it on here, I just want to throw out a very quick hashtag: Calimashatini. There we go, Calimashatini. Oh, yeah. There we go. Well done. Uh, now I do want to apologise because I, I do feel like we've just spent a bit of time lamb blasting uh, a movie, which I think uh, you know merits a lot more than what we've given it. But we do have a genuine fan of this franchise here, and um, I will now quietly hand this over to Jamie for the rebuttal. I don't got one. Are right. <laughs> oh, you on point with us? I mean, I, yeah. I cannot defend this movie. Oh. I, I can't do it. I I don't hate it. I don't hate it like you guys do. I definitely think it's the weakest. Mm. And that whole key in the neck thing, it makes no sense to me. Um, I just feel like that stuff came out of nowhere. And it's, it, just, it just feels like it doesn't belong. Mm. And the... The thing you said about feeling like it was a different movie mm. that just had these characters written into it, I would totally believe that. If this was Hellraisered, I would buy it. It's, it's written by Lee Winnell as well. That's the confusing thing for me because yeah. like the previous movie was written by him, but at least it felt um, you know, in the grand can canon of the the the, the movies, it kinda did feel like it kept and keep it I don't know I just like to me this feels like the colossal misstep it feels like it just doesn't hmm. I don't know it doesn't um I wanted to and when we saw this in the theater um Brian immediately was like nope and I was (laughs) like well now well there's that scene well you know there's that one thing and then (sighs) I tried I really tried (laughs) Mm. But I can't. You're not wrong. You're, 
and I'm sad about it because I really want to I want to love them all because I am such a champion of the whole thing and it I just I can't yeah. I can't fight you on this. I can't do it. I don't have it in me. Now, like I said, I don't hate it. I do think that there are some things that work. That whole bone thing is pretty neat, but I also think it was really predictable. I mean, who didn't see that part coming? Like it, it just it just makes me sad. It really overall it makes me sad because there's nothing I can do about it. I can't like I can't I can't do it. I just there's there's no way. There's no way to defend it because everything you said, everything Bo said, it's all right. It's all right, and I concede. I. It's not that good. Oh, I don't. I'm sorry. Yeah, I feel bad now because Jamie's sad. I don't want Jamie to be sad. See what you've done, Bo. See what you've done. Every no, I, no, he didn't do it. They did it. They broke my heart. <laughs> and I am sad, but not because like you guys are right. You know, I mean, I guess I am, but I'm just sad because they. I just don't feel like that. I don't feel like there was. They didn't feel like they tried, mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't really work. I don't think it works. And and Bo, you were dead on about that whole like hitting on the young girls thing the whole time. I Creepy. was just like, what are you doing? And how is she okay with this? And stop. Yeah, she was just like, oh, you boys and your boners for my granddaughters. <laughs> While Angus Sampson's like forty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and uh, Specs ain't far behind. Like Lee Winnell, I know he's supposed to be playing younger in this movie, but Lee Winnell looks like he's 37. And <laughs> and these girls, again, it, it's kind of up in the air. Like, did they graduate high school? They're clearly not more than 20. I Something like that. I wouldn't have given them that that much. I I seriously was thinking they were more like. Eh. Like seventeen, but that's yeah, that's kind of what I thought. And uh, yeah, it, it that is fucking head scratchy. And like at the end of the movie, when they're uh, like making out after the you know, oh, we saved the day. Let's let me grope on your granddaughter a little bit. And again, I, I'm <laughs> just like the I worst porn ever. Grope on your granddaughter. <laughs> I mean, it's there. <laughs> oh no. Uh, but yeah, it it really is fucking head scratching to me that any of this was okay, and and that nobody like Lee Winnell himself, who wrote the script, at some point should have been like, you know what, we either need to cast younger people as us, or we need to age these granddaughters up a little bit, because otherwise it's gonna look like we want to fuck teenagers. Mm. And this isn't the Entourage movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'd like. I. I don't. I. I I'm just. Uh, yeah, this is a. Uh, this is one of those movies. This is one of those movies that it, it just genuinely it hurts my head to think of. Um, and I, I don't. Once again, I don't. Like you did your prequel movie. Do we now need to know? I had this rant about Rob Zombie uh, on the previous recording with you guys. Do we now need to know why Eloise ended up at the house? No. 
we yeah. covered we've covered this subject matter already, and we're going to put this character in peril with a key fucking person and all the rest. I know she's fine in the first movie, so all that stuff once again doesn't work. But then all the baggage she's carrying into that first movie now does not make one lick of sense. Just give me the movie after part two, please. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm totally with you. Like, give me the campy. Hey, we've got a ghost detective on the case. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? That could be all right. It could be really dumb, but dumb in a way that that's kind of fun and silly. And, and you can still, you know, like have Scoob and the mystery machine <laughs> on the case. And that can be kind of kind of goofy and silly and, and fun. Uh, but what they did here, of it, it just, yeah, it, it just feels so misguided and on every level like like there's a way that this movie could have worked hmm. if somebody just had stopped and thought for two seconds about what the events of the film were and how that related to everything else in the series hmm. and it, yeah it's woefully misbe- misbegotten Duncan hmm. right well that closes out this first half I can only see that things are going to get better don't sound so up- <laughs> Don't sound so optimistic, guys. Because uh, we are going to be coming back to do the final three movies in the current Wanaverse, uh, which, like I say, is ever-changing and there's more titles being added. By the time we finish recording this, I guarantee there's another three spin-offs in development. Um, when we come back from our break, though, we will be covering The Nun from 2018, uh, Annabelle Comes Home from 2019, and... The Curse of La Llorona from 2019 as well. Ladies and gents, we're going to take a short break. Get yourself a fresh beverage. Stretch those legs. We're going to be right back right after this. Hey, did you guys ever notice that podcasts talk about the same movies over and over again? Yeah, as much as I love Friday 13th, I don't need another show telling me how good it is. Exactly. Same thing goes for Halloween. It's a great movie, but come on, there's other stuff out there. There should be a show that highlights movies that everyone else seems to skip over. Like, oh, I always wanted to talk about Absentia. And I want someone to cover the room. The Skeleton Key's a good one. Then let's just do one. We can call it The ABCs of Hidden Horror. And we'll go through the alphabet talking about our favorite horror flicks that get ignored. Great idea! I know what my first one's gonna be. Join Brian, Dave, and me, Jamie, for The ABCs of Hidden Horror on the Horrorphilia Network where we might discuss some of your neglected favorites or introduce you to something new. And welcome back, ladies and gents. So, new recording, new beer. I uh, opened a little cheeky Elvis juice. I've been hanging out with my homies, uh, the phenomenal Jamie J. Sammons and the uh, tolerable Boran. So, uh, behind the scenes, we've been chatting, having fun. It's not often I get to hang with my peeps. Uh, I've been gushing over how much I respect them which has made them very uncomfortable, which is the way I want them to be <laughs> moving <laughs> to the second half of this recording. We've got three movies left to discuss, folks. I'm on the elephant juice. The elephant juice? <laughs> Elvis juice um, from Brewdog. That's a grapefruit-infused IPA. And by the way, this stuff is the tatas, as the Baz would say. Yes, I can, if you can. Uh, right, we are going to be doing three more movies. Uh, we've got The Nun, the Curse of La Llorona and Annabelle Comes Home. I'm going to open the bet and odds that Bo has not a positive word to say about any of these three movies. Uh, I might surprise you though. I might surprise you. I don't know where Jamie is going to land with 
at least two of these, I'm fairly sure that she likes the first one we're going to talk about, and we will get to that. Um, we're going to do The Nun from 2018. This is directed by Corin Hardy. This guy did a movie the year before called The Hollow. Irish horror movie. Um, mostly known for doing music videos. In fact, his music videos are fucking incredible. And he's worked with a who's who of amazing recorded talent. Uh, and this was him transitioning to, in the very similar way to what we said earlier on about um, our Annabelle movie. Um, people like that. You know what, Annabelle Creations? You've got it right because you've taken a director who did a really cool indie movie and given them a project. And this is how we do it. Um, and it doesn't always pan out, or maybe it does, we'll find out. Uh, the Nun has a cast that stars, uh, oh fuck, uh, Damien Bashir, uh, Thaisa Farminga, Jonas Bloquet, uh, Bonnie Ahrens, Ingrid Bisu, Patrick Wilson is in this one, so is Vera Farminga. Well, that's right, they show up, but in fairness, they're showing up as a kind of throwback to, yeah, you know, Lily Taylor, same position. Uh, we've got Charlotte Hope and some other folks in here. The synopsis for this movie is a priest with a haunted past and a novice on the threshold of her final vows are sent to the Vatican, or sent by the Vatican, to investigate the death of a young nun in Romania and confront a malevolent force in the form of a demonic nun. Now, in the previous recording we talked about The Conjuring 2 and we said that some of the better elements in The Conjuring 2, I think we all agreed, I'm maybe putting words in both mouth, we'll find out shortly, uh, was that one of the stronger elements was actually the nun setup itself at the beginning, which we all, I think, uh, genuinely liked. And of course, it, <laughs> it was inevitable, the nun spin-off. Um, yeah, it arrived in 2018. Weirdly, I saw this movie in America. Uh, I was over staying in Virginia and I did one of those Alamo draft house things, which by the way, you guys have got it fucking made. Loved that shit. Absolutely loved that experience. But this was a movie that we saw over there. And um, I'll give it to the Alamo draft house this way. See when you theme your trailers for your movie before it comes on, you've won me over. Specifically, when the themes for those trailers included uh, Killer Nun, which, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a, it's a kind of Jallo movie, so I'm all about that. And Nuns on the Run, you've got me in. Robbie Coltrane, Eric Idle, in Habits. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in heaven. The Nun, on the other hand, and I'll kick us off with this review, uh, is a frustrating movie to see, at least with me. There's a whole hell of a lot that I really don't like about this movie. Um, the first thing that kind of annoys me, this is just me picking, um, is our full French accent, our good buddy Frenchy here, who's walking around like a, a fucking Peter Sellers Clouseau uh, we say Daisy Minky on your shoulder. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, what the fuck are we doing here? Honestly, this is 2018, guys. He's horrible fucking Frenchy accent, um, and he's kind of part comic relief, part. Well, I don't know what the other part is. He's mostly there for kind of comic relief and oh, the scares. And we're going to put him in as a way to tangentially link this back to another series. Why do we need to do that here? We know the nun's story. We don't need to link it to another part. But I know it's franchise. It's a universe. It's a universe, guys. Um, this movie is dark. And I don't mean that as in 
subject matter I mean as enlightened this is a dark fucking movie and watching it back the second time I thought it was maybe just the cinema experience no this is a dark fucking movie it's so dark that you can't see everything that I think you're supposed to see it doesn't necessarily build up to a satisfying conclusion in my books although there are some elements that I quite enjoy I, I like the idea of the you know the the specific convent itself I enjoy that aspect I actually quite enjoy the aspect of the curse itself and the character the portrayal of uh, is it Varric or whatever her name is 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 really well done I, I, I think she has a very striking look that in that makeup is pretty terrifying yes it's a bit Marilyn Manson-esque but I like Marilyn Manson so back off um, it just feels the nun at times feels as frustrating as Annabelle feels for me in that I feel at times it becomes a bit of a box ticking exercise for other religious horror movies that do things much better Um, and then when I liken certain scenes to those movies that's when I start to feel like uh, what we're doing here the fact that there is talk about a nun too genuinely like makes me dry heave um, I don't understand why we need another nun movie after this because uh, this one closes out the story in a somewhat not necessarily satisfying way I think the sin design is actually really good in this movie I think there are bits that wholly don't make fucking sense for the time period and don't make sense for the characters um, and I don't know why I watch this movie and all I want to watch is In the Name of the Rose and I don't know why don't know why, because they're not even remotely alike. Um, but I do. It's I don't know. It's once again the performances are not bad in this one. I think Tessa Ferminga is brilliant. Um, I think that Damien Bashir is brilliant. Um, I think that the Frenchy character needs to not be in this movie. And so I'm kind of left with I had a very clear image in my head and I don't know if this is baggage I carry into the movie and that's why it doesn't work for me I had a very clear image of what I thought the nun was going to be and the experience of sitting through it does not live up to remotely one iota of what I think the movie could be or how good it could be and that's where the frustration sets in for me I think there are flashes in here of that could be really interesting if we flesh this out and I feel that it almost needs to dumb itself down in a lot of capacities in order to fit with that mainstream normie audience that Jamie was talking about earlier on. Weirdly enough, from the consensus on the Facebook group page, after this movie came out, when I posted about it, I am in the minority on this one. Um, I don't know why I said weirdly enough, I tend to be in the minority in quite a lot of things. Um, It just doesn't work for me as an overall package. I think there's too many glaring issues in it, and as a result it becomes... Um, it becomes a bit flimsy and not memorable like at all like watching it back the second time it's still fairly it should be fairly fresh in my memory there's a couple of bits where I was like I cannot remember seeing this in the cinema so much so that I had to check to make sure there wasn't like a director's cut or something that I was watching I know this is the cut that I saw at the cinema just whole sections which my memory had just blanked on uh, completely don't know it feels this one it feels like it's not a I hate this movie but it's a must try harder movie um, and the, I think there was so much more scope that is genuinely one of the scarier characters out of the entire franchise um, 
is that you know the, the the kind of demonic nun. I think you could do wonderfully creepy things with that because all that stuff with the painting that we saw in the the Conjuring movies is genuinely fucking terrifying, like absolutely terrifying. And then when we get it in a longer form, it's one of those things where in small doses it works very well, in longer doses maybe not so much. Uh, Jamie, I know that you like this movie more than I do, and I'm happy to sit here and be schooled. I didn't realize anybody knew how I felt about this movie. I don't know. I don't know if I've talked about it much, but um, I yeah, I I, I actually kind of do mm-hmm. and. First of all, I love The Hollow. I I adore that. It's movie. a good movie, real good movie. So, um, and well, I have a I have a soft spot for Irish horror anyway. Um, not Scottish, sorry. That's <laughs> 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 not even a thing. Um, <laughs> There's some Scottish horror movies, Jamie. There was that one. That, there was that one, and I didn't like it. But I don't. What, the one with the the one with the L thing? Yeah, I didn't like it either. <laughs> Um, but the, uh, but I did, I do love the hollow. I love it, love it, love it. And so when I found out about that, I was like, okay, well, this is good because initially I'm like, I don't really need this. Like, I don't need, I don't need a movie about the, the crooked man. I don't need a movie. Like, I don't need the spinoff movies, but the nun though was really creepy. And so I was like, well, this might work if they, if they can, flesh out a story i mean because at that point there's no story like when they first talk about it like there's gonna be a nun movie uh, initially i was just like okay whatever because there's no story behind the nun you're gonna have to craft a whole thing <laughs> but then when i found out that they're you know that they were i was like all right well if you craft a decent enough story then it could be good because the nun in and of herself is pretty fucking terrifying so i wasn't mad about it so we went to go see it and I still wasn't mad about it. Like, there are... I have a lot of issues with it. I do. I think that there are a lot of unnecessary jump scares. I think that there... I don't really like the ending at all. Like, that whole bit in the pool, the in, in the water. I, I'm not crazy about that. I don't think it makes any sense that the, with the whole bell in the graveyard thing and the, the you know person being buried there with the books like what like yeah that's that's a whole lot of work to go through just to go here are some books and um (laughs) like i don't know it just didn't it didn't um it did that part didn't really work what the the bell in the graveyard now that that alone is excellent you could do something really good with that like with the bell on the toe in autopsy of jane doe Mm -hmm. that was Beautifully. If we could have done something like that with the grave, I think it would have been fantastic. I just don't think it was used well. But I do love uh, in the well house where, you know, the um, dead nuns laying down and then she's sitting up. Um, the, uh, or the novice. No, not the novice. That's what does Taisa. Um, the one who committed suicide. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. They put her body there. Then she's laying down. The next thing you know, she's sitting up. Like, I I like that. That, that worked. Um. The overall aesthetic, gothic as fuck. I mean, this movie is so gothic that I'm about 100% positive that it's on lithium. Mm. So I am okay with that. Like, this movie is sitting in the backlist in the Marilyn Manson, you know. It's, 
I love that about it. I love that the graveyard and the trees and everything is full of fog. You know, it just feels right. It feels like old universal, you know, when they're walking down the halls. Now, it doesn't really make sense that the halls in the, in the not monastery, that the halls in the, oh, what do you call a nunnery? <laughs> uh, I think it's just called a nunnery. Yeah. There's another word, convent. Yeah. That it doesn't make sense that the halls are like all drippy and wet. Like who, who's going <laughs> to... Who lives in that place? It reminds me of like Monty Python. It was like I built it and it fell over and sank into the swamp. <laughs> it has, it has, wait one second, it has Texas Chainsaw Massacre basement syndrome, Jamie. Oh, that's right. But <laughs> at the same time, it gives it atmospheres. Like, even though it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, it gives it a lot of atmosphere. So I'm willing to go with that because I, I'm all about the atmosphere. And I think this film is full of it. You know, it. That part, he nailed it. He nailed it. Like, visually, he is a stunning director. You know, I think he just killed it. I don't think the problems with this film lie really in the direction. Now, like I said, there were uh, there were some, like, an overuse of jump scares, and I don't like that. But overall, I think the story just is kind of slapped together, and it feels that way. And that... That hurts it. But I love the sound design. I love the score. I love the way it looks. And that alone, honestly, when I was watching this film, was enough to put it over the top for me. It was enough for me to say, okay, I have these issues with it, but I really enjoyed my time with it because I loved when I was sitting in the theater and I was surrounded by these sounds because I really, really love the sound design. So yeah, sound design is these- great. So good. I was surrounded by these sounds and the score was working. And then this, the, the look, I just love the look of it. I do. It feels very old universal to me. Like it just, it works. So aesthetically, I was all about this movie. I just wish that the story had been something a little meatier or maybe something they had taken a little more time with. Because I just didn't feel like that was there. I didn't feel like it was fleshed out enough. But, and then, honestly, it was enough. I just did a top 100 of the 2000s for um, for Exploding Heads. And uh, this made my, made my list. Now, it was number 100. But... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and honestly, if I thought about it really hard, it probably wouldn't have made my list. But I mean, I'm sure that there are other things out there that I would that would have pushed it off. But the thing is, I was so in love with the atmosphere of this film that I wanted to give it some kind of recognition. Because I know most people I know just consider it complete trash. And I don't like referring to films as trash. Like, I never use that word. But, you know, if I'm doing, if, if I'm the descriptor, I don't ever say that. But... And I don't like to hear that because I feel like it just give me more, give me reasons, tell me why, you know, don't just say it's garbage and move on, you know. Um, but most people that I talk to don't like this film at all. And I think that's really sad because there is a lot here. There's a lot of potential here. And I don't think it's really the director's fault that it, because I, I feel like he directed the shit out of this movie as far as the look goes and the feel. And, like, they went to actual old monasteries to film. I mean, 
he went all out to try to make this look and feel right. The problem is he just didn't have a strong enough story to go with it. Or at least that's how I feel about it. Mm. Now, you are aware that you've just set Bo up to say that this movie is garbage or trash or, you know, one more dance. Don't step on my jokes. <laughs> you know, Let us yeah. have the joke, Duncan. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pass it over to Bo, who I think if I'm in the kind of leaning towards not liking this movie, but shining the occasional ray of light on positivity, and Jamie being the the far kinder review on here, uh, knowing that I've spoken to Bo about this one before. Bo, why do you not like the nun? Um, I actually agree with both of you in the sense that I think the the atmosphere, the production design of this movie is, is pretty good. Um, and and then everything else. Uh, <laughs> he so, was coming. Here we go. Yeah, I, all right. So I think a lot of my problems stem from the fact that I, I don't really care. Unlike you guys, I didn't really care for the setup of The Nun and Conjuring 2 or 3 or whenever. Uh, see, I just put that in your mouth. That was, that you, was my fault. You did, and I like, but that's part and parcel of me not giving a shit about the Conjuring movies to begin with. <laughs> and when they're like, "Hey, here's this other character in the Conjuring universe," I'm like, "Ugh, God, well, that's probably going to be a movie." And <laughs> here we are. So wait till we get to so, Annabelle comes home. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake! Anyway, so I don't, I, I, I don't really care about the character of of Valak or whatever. And not, and certainly don't care about the origin. So I was kind of hoping in the opening scenes of this, where you have like this long hallway filled with crosses and stuff like that. I was like, ah, oh, this is kind of cool. It, you know, at least it's doing something. And then it kind of spins its wheels for about the next hour. And I like all the stuff about them going to the convent and like, the priest can't go in, but then they can, but nobody talks after after the sun goes down, except when they do. And I just it, like it felt really tedious to me. It was the the overarching emotion I felt was sort of boredom and a, a, a wish that the movie would just kind of get on with things uh, like the the bell gag that Jamie was talking about. I thought that, like, when they first set it up of, like, oh, here are these bells, and I'm like, oh, that's going to pay off. And then it happens, like, two minutes later. I was like, there's such a thing as building tension and, and having a callback and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, that, I, nah. it, it just feels very sloppily made. And I don't know, and I, I do think that The Hollow is is a, a perfectly okay movie. I'm not, uh, I don't think Gordon Hardy is a, a bad director or anything. Um, I just don't think that this movie ever comes together, except for the points where it, you know, when you do have those moments where, you know, Valak shows up or you get these reveals and it's just these like shrieking trills that go along with it. And, and I'm doing my best not to just keep criticizing these movies for the same <laughs> thing, but it, it's such a weird dichotomy for me. Of like, I'm bored for most of this movie until the movie screams at me. And then I'm just like, Jesus, okay, I'm awake. You know? Mm. <laughs> and then by the end of the movie, I, I agree with Jamie. By that point, 
it, it just feels like such a mess of narrative that I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure what's happening or what, why any of this matters. And are we just trying to put Valak back in the, in the room that she was in or, or banish her forever. And then you get the later reveal spoilers that Frenchie is the guy that you saw maybe at the beginning of the original conjuring or whatever. I'm like, I just don't need any of this. Like, do what Annabelle Creation did and just make your own movie. Forget about the rest of the mythology. Just do do a good horror film and the mythology will take care of itself. Because at that point, you, you like I don't really care that Annabelle Creation at the end of that movie ends up with the doll showing up at the beginning of Annabelle. I just love Annabelle Creation because that movie legitimately creeped me out mm. and that's something that the nun never does and yeah i i mean i don't think it's very good uh it, it's uh, like i said i i think the production design is, is really cool i would love to see a a modern m- movie about spooky nuns in a gothic convent that... oh that's the second one I would imagine I, I don't think they're going to do any time period in between them now I think if you the, the, the nun 2 will have to be a modern a modern version surely because I mean we tied up the, the end of this movie ties right into um the you know the the kind of crossover for the the warden stuff anyway so if they are going to do a second one why would you do it further back in time hopefully not although i wouldn't put it past <laughs> yeah i mean maybe that one will be good uh i i don't think this movie is i i think a lot of the stuff that you said uh, uh both of you have said i i think is right i think there there are things about this movie that that can be good you know, it's just I have such serious fatigue by this point in watching <laughs> these movies that I'm just like, I just don't care about any of this. Mm. And and that's that's a tough thing to overcome. And it takes a movie like Annabelle Creation to kind of get me over that hump where it's just like it is undeniable that that is a really good movie. And the nun just doesn't it, it's not sure footed enough to convince me that I'm watching a good movie. Uh, other than like, oh, I like I like this spooky graveyard and and stuff like that, and you know, it, there's little nitpicky stuff that I probably wouldn't bother with if I were more entertained by the movie. And that's another thing; I just don't think the movie's very entertaining. Um, but like when you get to uh, Frenchie saying things like, "Oh, I just dropped the food off here. I never see any of the nuns." And when he goes into the the little area where he's talking about, and there's a dead nun there, he's like, oh, wait, they must have removed her. They must have come through that door. That's where they normally come through. And you're like, how the fuck would you know that? You never see it. <laughs> like, this movie isn't paying attention to itself, so why should I? Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Resin. <laughs> Right, well, let's, let's, I'll tell you what, Bo, let's address some of your complaints then, right? Your your oh, whole, like, spin-off series fatigue that you, you seem to have here. Let's, let's go in a different direction. Let's actually cover a kind of modern, folklorish, you know, scary story tale done with a, a you know, a great deal of, of, um, tasteful tact, um... 
And let's throw a character in here that can link it to our Wanaverse universe. Um, we are going to do The Curse of La Llorona uh, from 2019. Now, yes, I am fully aware that I am Scottish, which means that chances are I am butchering a whole hell of a lot of the pronunciation, specifically in how you pronounce the name of this particular curse. Um, I am sorry. I there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, plus, I've had a few beers, which means it's going to it's only going to get worse. Um, this one is directed by Michael Chavez. It's from 2019. Now you want to keep that Michael Chavez guy in your brain in your notes because this guy here is going to be off doing the next Conjuring movie coming out later this year. He was handpicked by James Wan himself to direct that movie. Um, this one stars Linda Cardellini, uh, Roman Christopher, oh, Cardor, Linda Cardor. Uh, we have uh, Roman <laughs> Christo, uh, Jamie Lynn Kitchen. Oh, I was going to say Kitchen, Kitchen. Oh fuck, these aren't real names. Raymond Cruz, you'll do. Uh, Patricia Velasquez, uh, Sean Patrick Thompson. Tony Amadeo. Uh, this is Father Perez coming back, coming back at you. You may remember him. We discussed him in Annabelle. He's here as well. Um, and some other folks around here. Synopsis for this one is ignoring the eerie warning, which is the first mistake every character does in a horror movie, um, of a troubled mother suspected of child endangerment. A social worker and her own small kids are soon drawn into a frightening supernatural realm. What they did not add in that synopsis was yawn, um, which is what I did a lot when I saw this movie at the cinema. But I'm not kicking us off this time. We're going to spin it round to Jamie to kick us off this time. Uh, Jamie, 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 talk to us about the curse of La Llorona. Well, it is a curse, isn't it? Um, <laughs> we're ending on a sorry, sorry note here. The... Yeah. <laughs> the um... This one, god damn it. This is such a good story. And I don't mean the movie. I mean the overall, like the actual story of La Llorona is such a good story that you could do so many good things with. Uh, I actually work with <laughs> uh, with a Mexican. And she, well, I work with several Mexicans. But I work with this one and she is terrified of La Llorona. And so it came up one day when we were at work and I was talking about it. And she goes, La Llorona is real. Like she is, she is scared to death. And she went like proceeded to tell me these stories about when she was a little girl, how she heard La Llorona crying and how, um, how her parents would say things like, you know, La Llorona will get you, you know, like, don't, you can't go outside at night or whatever. Like, just like cautionary tales, but she she is like in it and she's terrified. And I'm like listening to her tell me those stories from her childhood and the fact that she still, be, you know, believes it now. To me, that was way more entertaining and way more frightening than watching this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really sad, but it's, it's it really is a good story, just rich with legend and and there you could do so many good things with it and it just they wasted it. It's wasted, you know, and how often do we get outside of del Toro? How often do you get like really good like Mexican folklore? Mm -hmm. 
mm. you know, in in horror. We don't get a lot of that, and uh, at least not here, like in the mainstream. So the fact that they had an opportunity with this big whole universe thing, they had an opportunity to bring in something from another culture and to highlight it and to to just really play it to the mainstream and do a good job with it. And they wasted it. That just pisses me off. Like it really, I mean, I was angry when I saw this movie because it deserves so much more than what they gave it. And what they gave it was really a little, I mean, I, it's again with the jump scares or way too many of those. And they're not scary. They don't work. They don't work. And then the whole, the ending with the priest and the, it just is so, it feels so messy and like convoluted. And I hate, I hate to say all this stuff because I really like Linda Cardellini. I do. You know, I, she's fantastic. But the, I was so angry. <laughs> and then, you know, watching it again didn't help. Like, it did not, it didn't get rid of any of that. And, like, why? Why am I still angry about this movie? <laughs> because it just, it's a waste. And I don't like waste. I don't. When we have the opportunity to do something really cool and something that nobody ever does, then I think you should take the most advantage of that that you can and really try hard and really, you know, sell it. And I just feel like, I don't, I, I don't know. Like, I feel so bad because uh, we were like the, my friend that I was talking to, she's like, you know, she's like, oh, you know, should I watch it? And I said, no, no, <laughs> like, no, which is like, oh, well, I was thinking about watching it because, you know, she loves the story of La Llorona. I was like, mm-hmm. don't, don't, don't watch it, please. Like, I just feel like it would be so disappointing and almost insulting. You know, for her to watch it, like she would just be like, "What the fuck is this?" Like, <laughs> and it's that's really sad because, like, I don't know, it's a waste. Like I said, and there are like a hundred different versions of this story. I mm-hmm. found out um, when I was, you know, trying to find it because I don't own it. So when I was trying to find it to um, to stream to watch it for this, I ran across easily six or seven i don't know i mean there's a ton of them out there i think there was like at least one or two versions and i imagine they came out specifically because this one was the high profile one but i think there was one or two versions that came out this same year as this that are rated higher than this um well i heard if any of them would be better well i feel like there were two i want to say there were two that i found that were uh quite a bit older yeah and uh, maybe you're only now getting recognition because of this movie, but I uh, I wondered if maybe I should go watch some of those and see if they're better, mm. because I feel like it wouldn't be hard to do something better than what they did here, and it just um I don't know it I knew it from the trailer though like I just I knew it I yeah. knew it I, <laughs> it was a bad trailer. And going in, I was like, this is not going to be good, but I want to, but I'm going to do it anyway, because, you know, this is what I do. And then, (laughs) and then I was like, God damn it. You know, and I was actually, I'm the kind one. You should hear what Brian said. (laughs) Um, They're just, 
it mainly I'm just irritated because it was a it was a an opportunity that is an excellent opportunity, and it, sh- it should have been just grabbed with gusto, and really highlighted the fact that they had something from a different culture that they could and then it, like weave it into this one like it is part of the universe you know you could and then blending co- I think I, th- that's phenomenal let's yeah. do that it's they the frustrating didn't. thing isn't it because like our that's previous the previous movie we were basically saying listen they had a cool concept of this the look of Anon and they've had to go away and write a script about it. they've had to add they've had to create folklore to make a movie out of that and then you know it feels like they didn't maybe do enough of that or whatnot you are dealing with something that is well established and written about so if anything this should be easy to write you should be you know this should not be difficult to write this story because you know there's there's plenty to, exists. yeah it's plenty, a, plenty it, to draw it, from but- so did the story of the bye-bye man and look what they did well, with that. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, now you've said it and we weren't supposed to say it, Jamie. Or think it. <laughs> oh, shit. There we go. Again, this episode will be cursed. Um, yeah, I, I mean, this to me is a just giant yawn fest from start to finish. I know everything, every beat of this movie the first time I watched it before it happened. Nothing surprised me at all um, and it just highlights to me the worst aspects of kind of cookie cutter box ticking horror that's literally what it is and this is one of the rare ones where like I was in a full of a cinema with uh, you know normies sitting around me and people were checking their phones and not interested because this movie is not scary like at all it has no impact it's flat it has like some good actors here who I've seen in other things turning really good performances who feel flat who feel just unenthused from start to finish and I I don't get it at all I just don't I don't understand how you can misstep so much. Now I know that Bo's going to come in after me and tell us why they misstep so much because it's tied into a universe that apparently missteps quite a bit. But it just feels this this misstep is so egregious compared to some of the other ones where I can kind of see what they're trying to aim for or I can kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. It just loses the translation on the screen or maybe they're leaning a bit too much in on the aspect of trying to be scary without necessarily working on a plot or whatnot. But in the case of this one, it's just a really boring rendition of something that when you do a bit of reading about it online, it's kind of freaky. You know what I mean? It just they, They've stripped all the... All this, not only have they stripped a soul of it, actually, I think they've stripped out a lot of what makes... See, when you watch a Guillermo del Toro movie, and it's difficult not to, once again, lean towards that, but even if you watch Tigers Are Not Afraid, the most kind of recent Mexican kind of fairy tale, kind of folklore-ridden horror movie... Um, when you watch them, the thing I've always really enjoyed about um, like Spanish or, or we could even say Latin-based, um, 
you know, horror movies, the way the, the way they're set out is that there's always they always work best through the eyes of children, and there's always that kind of there's always a kind of sweet sorrow at the end to all those stories. There's a like a, a the way they look the, the way those cultures um look at death, for example, is completely different to how the rest of the world looks at it. And there's a kind of weird, like sweet, sad, happy reverence about it that I think translates really well and you always get that through a Guillermo del Toro movie or even if you start expanding it into the wider base for projects that he's backed even like movies like The Orphanage they're always at that kind of core and I think that's where they work you could be doing something really interesting with this and putting that flavour on it and you're not you are giving it this kind of white picket fenced cookie cutter Americanized Hollywood version of something that feels like it should have a lot more passion, a lot more love and care and attention put behind it. And as a result, you get a sterile, docile, boring hour and a half. Um, yeah, as, as, as biggest crime is that at no point at all am I interested at anything that happens on the screen. Um, yeah, I, 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 yeah it's, a, it's, a, it's a painful watch. Uh, Bo Ransdell, um, what... Anything you want to add? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm going to blow some minds here. I don't think the movie is all that bad. Oh, fuck I, off. I, like, I don't, I, no, I don't think it's You're good. You're taking the piss. No, 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 no. I, <laughs> this is, uh, of all the movies that we watched for this particular episode, it is, uh, like, I, I think, uh, obviously, Annabelle Creation is a, a genuinely really good movie. I find this to be inoffensive, and that goes a long way in this series for me. <laughs> you are um, fucking high right now. <laughs> oh, if only, Duncan. Um, no, so here, here's what I think. Uh, I don't. I, I agree. I don't think it's scary. I don't think it's particularly interesting. Um, I think it's got characters that I, I actually do find kind of interesting. Um, I think that uh, the the main character, you know, the, like this single mom trying to raise her kids and she works in social service and blah, 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 like all that stuff. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, at least this is a grown up doing grown up things. And that is woefully missing for most of these movies. You're literally uh, describing the plot of made in Manhattan, Bo. Come on. <laughs> I, you know, I've never seen that. Maybe I should. Um, I think that the, uh, that the, the kind of like taciturn Curandero is kind of an interesting character of, of, of being a little bit Machiavellian, you mm. know, in a way uh, of like, hey, I'm here to to fucking banish this demon. I'm kind of using your kids for bait. Uh, I, I kind of like that move. Um, I also I, like I, I yes, it is kind of dumb. The the fact that like there's this whole thing about, oh, once the uh, that La Yorna has uh, touched a child they are forever in her like they'll come whenever she's called and there's the bit with the daughter that matters for like one scene and then it they just completely drop the idea from then on and that's real stupid um it, like i don't think it's a good movie don't i don't want to i don't want to give you the, the wrong impression here i just think of all of these movies it at least has characters that i found interesting enough that i was I was interested to see what happened to them. And that felt like a real rarity in this series for me. 
You were um, interested to see what was going to happen to him, but did anything in this movie surprise you, Bo? No, of course not. And, and that, that's why I'm saying, like, I don't think it's a great movie. I think it is extremely by the numbers, but at least it's by the numbers in a way that... Like, I, I think you're totally right. I think it ticks a lot of boxes, but I think in this series where they don't even bother to tick the boxes, uh, that this makes it feel like a little bit of a breath of fresh air when I was watching these films, where I was like, oh, okay, at least we're doing something with this character's backstory. And, you know, I, like I think of uh, that Insidious 3, uh, where we started off, this terrible journey and you know like what do we know about that little girl she wants to be an actress and misses her mom and that's kind of it whereas i felt like this movie at least tried to give you a, a glimpse at at the interior life of the main character that you know that there you saw her a little bit at work and you saw where the conflict existed there and you saw her you know, uh, talking with the kids, but also going away by herself to have this breakdown because she's still haunted by the death of her husband. And it, like, I don't think anything that all you guys said is wrong about the movie. Again, I'm saying that the movie did the bare minimum to make it a movie. And I think that is rare in this series. <laughs> So I'm I'm completely damning it with faint praise in the sense that I think my my ultimate review of it was like this is a great movie to fall asleep to on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> and and that's again better than I can say for most of these. So I think it's a totally average movie. I don't think it's I, in fact I I think it is absolutely an average movie. Uh, I don't think it does a lot to recommend it. And if someone said, hey, should I watch La Yorna? I would be like, eh, I mean, I guess if you feel like you should. And and I'm not going to, but I'm not going to tell them no. Like if somebody asked me, should I watch The Nun? I'm going to be like, no, you should not watch The Nun. But this at least is, is a passable piece of entertainment. I, I mean, I earlier on said that, you know, we should we should have a show. I'm taking that back. And it's going to be Duncan and Jamie come correct. <laughs> Dear God Almighty. I like, can't, can't believe with a straight face. You've like, Honestly, yeah, that surprises me. I am, I am, you have shaken me to the core. It's like, Mr. Ransdell. Yeah, this is everything that I would, like, if you were to ask me, this would be everything from a, from, from just a film point of view. That would be the the, the, the kind of the go to of well, it doesn't do anything different. Like you've 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 argued with me on on episodes that you want your horror movie. Like one of the greatest things that is like a, almost like a crime against the cinema thing is a movie that doesn't even dare to try and give you something that you've not seen before. And this movie gives you absolutely everything you have seen before, and it doesn't do it in any remarkable way at all. Which to me is a waste of time. Why spend any time, like even recommending a movie, which doesn't do anything at all? This movie does nothing at all, and, and like even the character development that you're talking about is handled in such a cliched way. Yes, like, I, I just it, to me, but at it least is, it's there. Like again, I'm I am gauging this. <laughs> this is coming on the heels of watching the fucking nun. 
And it, w- going from that movie to this movie, it was like, at least this is a movie where I understand what the characters are doing and why they're doing it. There's actual motivation. And uh, like, you're putting me in the awkward position of defending a movie. <laughs> you put yourself I, there, Bull Rams, That I, I like, again, I don't think this movie is great. I don't even think this movie is very good. I think it is aggressively mediocre. And... But that is where this this episode has put me, <laughs> where where saying that a movie is mediocre is actually a positive compared to what came before. Like, I, I don't think this movie, like this movie didn't make me mad. <laughs> and that felt nice, Duncan. It was nice not to be angry watching a movie. <laughs> Let me have a modicum of serenity. Yeah, will, will you give me just a plain Jane run-of-the-mill do-nothing horror movie that could could have been made by anybody at any time? <laughs> and I'll take that as opposed to all the screeching that all these fucking movies have been doing for... Like, there is some of that in this movie. There is definitely some jump-scare bullshit. But there's also at least a little bit of like, oh, here's, you know, and I don't know shit about chat when it comes to the actual (laughs) curse of La La Llorna. So I'm not pretending that I understand the original story or anything like that. I'm saying that when they presented the the story of of that curse to me, the titular curse, uh, I was like, oh, okay, I understand that. And that that is a whole lot better than most of these films. (laughs) So that's where i landed where i was like yeah that wasn't the worst thing i ever saw that's a nice change of pace well let's 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 watch how quickly you turn right now um let's move oh, on please let's let's move on to our, our last our last movie of the 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 series that we've been doing we're going to be doing uh, annabelle comes home from 2019 uh this one ladies and gents ooh, uh, is directed by gary doberman now i know what you're thinking Gary Doberman, that name rings a bell. And it kind of should, because he is first-time director, but his name has been attached to quite a lot of things, including that them there nun movie. <laughs> and also a little screenplay for a movie called It and It Chapter 2. So you may, you may have seen those movies. This guy is making bank. He's writing things that are making money. You know what I'm saying, Bo? This guy is making money. He is a player in the horror scene. He is he is a player in the writing of a horror scene. Um, and that's all you need. That's all you need. Everyone likes a writer, don't they, Bo? Oh, you got that right, Duncan. <laughs> no, there, there is nothing people like more than to, to uh, have a good writer in, in their conversation. <laughs> they're they're not narcissistic, nor or are they uh, self-effacing. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so he also did the screenplay. So he's writing and directing. So he's wearing two hats, so to speak. So you can see his vision is the vision that you're getting on screen. I think that's fair to say. He's mm-hmm. right. Um, this one, oh, we're bringing back the old gang. We're bringing them back. Uh, we have in Annabelle comes home Vera Faminga, Patrick Wilson, McKenna Grace, Madison Eisman, Katie Serif, uh, Michael Semino, uh, Samara Lee, 
Mackenzie Kaplan, Siri Katrina, Michael Patrick McGill, uh, Brittany Hoser, um, Shelley McKellen, some other folks. Uh, synopsis for this one is, while babysitting the daughter of Ed and Lorraine Warren, which seems like maybe a risky business, uh, a teenager and her friend unknowingly, uh, did it was unknowingly, uh, awaken an evil spirit trapped in a doll. Borans, though, you get to kick us off first. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think this movie's real bad. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck? This movie. All right. Here's the thing. This movie is like an hour and fifty goddamn minutes long for beginners. Hour <laughs> forty-six. Hour forty-six. I look. I'm rounding up four minutes. Um, this movie is way too fucking long. It takes an hour for anything to happen in this movie we spend an hour dicking around with making cakes and burning cakes and nobody likes this creepy little kid because her parents are fucking frauds and which yeah i mean look sorry some people are just born in the wrong place at the wrong time kid <laughs> you're just gonna have to stick it out till you're 18 so you can ditch these losers but that's not the point of the movie duncan the point of the movie is to be a shitty goosebumps ripoff and I would much rather watch Jack Black fighting CGI werewolves than I would uh, this kid with a guitar uh, who <laughs> hides in a car for the majority of the movie. Like it, this movie, it, it like it, it presents. It, it, it's basically like, like I said, it's a Goosebumps movie. It is like, oh, and here's uh, here's a, a wedding dress. What if, if you look at it too long or something, it makes you want to stab people. And here's a TV that you can see what's going to happen in 10 seconds from now. And that's the fucking most worthless thing I ever saw. <laughs> and <laughs> like the only people in this movie who were smart are Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga who are like, I'll be in it for two minutes at the beginning and three minutes at the end. And then you can keep my name off the rest of this shit. And uh, and I think they they probably came out the best. Um, yeah, I just I think it's real. I, it's just a lot of nothing. It it is a lot of noise. It is uh, you know the old Shakespeare line uh, uh, about being full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Um, it takes way too long for it to get started. Once it gets started, it's just a bunch of stuff that is a little overly CGI to the point where I was like, this just looks bad. Um, and yeah. And I, again, it's a character problem. I don't like the babysitter character or whatever. Like what is her crisis in this movie? Other than I'm trying not to get this little girl killed. You and, could argue but, that is the job description of a babysitter though. So, yeah, clearly. but but you know like the deepest character in the movie is the shitty teenager what gets everything started in the first place who is like oh my dad dies so now I'm going to like I, I'm gonna unleash hell in this house for a chance at, at talking to my dad again the only thing I actually think uh, kind of works in this movie is that moment where she sees her dad and her dad's like this is all your fault and then that's it that's the only thing that ever happens until at the end of the movie they're like oh yeah when your dad said that 
he didn't mean it. He was dead and confused. And which is a stupid fucking thing to say in the movie, but that's exactly what they tell her. <laughs> and yeah, I just think this is the culmination of what I don't like about these movies. It it it's just it's everything about uh, the conjuring and the Annabelle stuff that I just don't give a shit about all packaged neatly into a movie that is 20 minutes too long. Well, there you go. Jimmy. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I, this is weird. <laughs> um, I mean, after the last one, I did not expect to, there you go. To, You'll do that. Uh, You'll do it. Yeah. So yeah, just when you think I'm gonna zig, I sad. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This one, I like. I like this movie. I love the characters. I think that, and I cry. Oh my god, it makes oh, me cry. I've seen this probably like three times. I guess now. Um. But at the end, when she hands her the bracelet, or hands her the the picture from the bracelet, and and she like basically is telling her and I know how you feel about the Warrens and then and bullshit 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 yeah but <laughs> so, in this it's just a story and it's a nice story you know she hands her the picture and then she's talking about her dad and I'm just bawling um <laughs> fun what they did was I do wish they had used uh, some of the some more items I think the bride was scary I think the guy with the 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 coins was mm-hmm. Scary. I think that I think that what they did use, they did well. I just wish they had done some more of it. I just think it would have been fun if it was like a big haunted house, you know, like a, and what I mean, like a carnival haunted house, you know, just like stuff just popping out left and right. Like that could have been a really fun time. But this film had a lot of heart. Oh my God, I love the kid with the serenading and the, he was so sweet. And I, you know what? I have heard everybody, everybody everybody trashes that werewolf and you'd think if anybody were going to trash that werewolf it would be me because mm-hmm. i do after all do like it mm-hmm. i like it i like that werewolf i do i think it's a good one i think it's fun and as soon as it i got all giddy when i was like it's a werewolf like because you never <laughs> see like it, they they they're never there. Oh, except for the, just like I got with Cabin in the Woods when there when there was a werewolf, you know, and he played a bigger role. I was like, ah! um, <laughs> so I was really excited about it. Um, I love that kid. I just thought he was really sweet. I like their relationships, like all of them. I just at first the I thought the friend was gonna be like this little cunty girl, and she was just kind of come in, and I. I assumed her only motivation for being interested in what was in the basement was just, you know, teenagery interest and that she was just going to come in and like wreck the place. And I don't know, like be a little bitch, like, but she wasn't like, she had an she had actual motivation for what she was trying to do and it meant something. And I, I really loved that. I thought it was nice that there's actual some heart in this in this movie i i don't know i this is one that i like quite a bit so um when i said earlier that when i'm watching the annabelles i just pretend like the first one doesn't exist um then that's true like i go to creation and then i go to come home and i i I think it works 
I don't know. I'm. It's not my favorite of the of all these movies, but it's not far down. And um, yeah, I I kind of like this movie as well, Jamie. If I'm honest, I'd, like, <laughs> I'd, I'd, like, me and both had this conversation already, so this is coming as no shock to him. This to me is the epitome of like mindless popcorn entertainment. Like th- this to I I don't get the runtime issue that you have at all with this movie because having now watched it twice. Uh, both times it flew in for me, like, completely flew in for me. Um, yeah, you're right, it is a kind of Goosebumps movie, and I'm alright with that. I kind of like Goosebumps movies. I like movies that, if if you, if the conceit of this movie is that she is a beacon that amplifies evilness, and you have to get over, and your, your first step in this one to, to accept this movie is that the Warrens know that about this doll, yet keep it in the room with all the fucking things in it that are haunted. Um, which seems reckless. I don't know about you guys, but that to me just seems, you know, irresponsible. Um, like keeping the key that opens it in the drawer of the room next to it. it kind of feels a bit irresponsible. That being said, I mean, it's a silly conceit and a silly situation and a silly movie, to be fair. Um, but to me, it's hella entertaining. I like the, the 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 different feels and different vibes you get from all the various haunted apparatus. I know you're saying a 10-second TV is fucking pointless and useless and all the rest, but I would argue that ghosts are fucking pointless and useless and they don't make sense, nor should they make sense. And the stories and descriptions, I don't believe in ghosts, I've got to stress that. I've, I've read stories about, you know, like, I, oh, the ghost that haunts this house opens and closes a door. What the fucking, what's the point of that? That's beyond fucking useless, but that's what it's been doing for a hundred years. So if this TV plays ten seconds of your future, then what, I mean, I don't, I, to me that's, I mean, that's just, that's just fun. And, and that's what this movie is, it's fun. It's a, to me, the, it's as big as crime as it feels like a completely standalone, offshoot ent- entity of the entire Wanniverse thing. Feels like it exists in its own little bubble because tonally it doesn't match any of the other ones. Narratively, out with having the Annabelle doll in here, it not really match any of the other ones. Um, it's kid driven, which I kind of like about this movie. Um, there is a bit of that kind of, once again, that goosebumpsy sort of feel because it's, it's primarily kids were following in this movie and I, I kind of dig that aspect a bit as well. I think we do get a bit of character development here, which I think actually works pretty well in terms of some of the character motivations. I know you disagree with that, Bo, but I think you were just moaning in the previous movie that some of the other ones didn't even give you that at all, and now you're going to moan about this one. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, but but ma- why not make her the main character? Like, this would make so much more sense if she were the main character and not the friend of the babysitter that does jack shit in this movie. Yeah, I, I mean, you, right. I, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not going to completely disagree with that at all, but I think we get enough time with other characters in here where we get a, we get a decent amount of backstory and motivation with them so I think it's doing more than what some of the other movies have even attempted to do um, I think it's worth pointing that out I, I think that I think that I like all the characters in this movie like, and, and that's a weird thing for me to see because uh, I've not said that about 
any of the other movies. Um, and this one, I kind of like it. It's a fun, playful movie. Cynically, I sit here and see this is clearly a vehicle to launch another three spin-offs, four spin-offs. And I just understand that now. And the next Conjuring movie that comes on, I will be looking for what the next two or three spin-offs from that are. Because this is the well, this is a hydra of a franchise. Whenever you think you've killed off one of them and another three takes its place, and that's just the way that that's going to grow out. But I'm never bored watching this movie at all, from start to finish. Uh, yes, it gets a bit silly in places, but it's a silly conceit, really, at this stage. <laughs> With the creepy fucking Satan doll. Um, you kind of just have to roll with that. Um, and if it doesn't entertain you, then yes, I totally agree. If it doesn't entertain you, which this movie is clearly, that's what it's leaning on, is this entertainment ability. This is like, this is cotton candy horror here. You know, they're, it tastes sweet, but there ain't no nourishment in this, you know what I mean? You're not going to get healthy watching this movie. But for the, the time period that is dissolving in your mouth, it's, it's, you know, it's a pleasant experience. That's kind of how Annabelle Comes Home for me is. Like I say, twice watched it. Both times thought it moved in at a nice pace. Entertained the hell out of me. Some of the CGI isn't as strong as it should be. I'm not, I, I, I kind of have to level with you there. But the, the kind of bloody bride thing, I think is a, a kind of cool character. Do I need a spin-off? Probably not. Uh, the coin, person, the ferryman or whatever you call yeah, give me a spinner for that. Because there's plenty of mythology about that that could make that quite interesting. <laughs> Not that they've been able to do it with some of the other ones, but I would watch that. I, think that, I thought that was a creepy character. Um... I'm not overly fond of the werewolf. Sorry, Jamie. We had to disagree on something. Um... I think that's maybe one step too... That's okay, I'm the only one that is. <laughs> I think it's maybe one step too far in the movie. Um... But yeah, the rest of it, I thought like, I mean, let's 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 be realistic here. Uh, when it comes to, to to rating these movies, it's you know it's it's going to be amongst other movies that I personally think have bigger problems, and um, that I don't find them entertaining at all. <laughs> like and even even less on the character development. So. I mean, it might not have the most fully fleshed three-dimensional characters ever, but it also entertained the fuck out of me. So um, that goes a long way for me. Uh, like you can, I can almost forgo like a, a great level of depth in a character to to, to be entertained. Uh, and this movie definitely did that for me. So we have weirdly all kind of transitioned into places that I don't think any of us are comfortable with at the end of this series. Does anyone else have anything else they want to... In fact, we'll go for final thoughts on the extended Wanniverse. We'll start with Bo, because you were maybe the most cynical at the start of all this process because we just know you come in with that baggage that Wan is not really your man. Um, and like a lot of these things that are being properties are spinning off are not things that you're entirely interested with anyway. Um, having gone through this experience and having heard your reviews now, kind of feels like almost like you're at that stage where yeah, this is what I thought, and yep, I was right. Uh, yeah, I think Annabelle Creation is a great movie. <laughs> yeah, and I I think it took I don't know however like twelve movies, eleven <laughs> movies to get one good one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's like this is not 
these are not the movies for me. Yeah. That is why you have me on this episode. This is why you were here, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I am by no means interested in this, any of these series continuing. I know they will. At some point, we will do a third episode, I'm sure, and oh, then I will watch all of those movies. And about a year's time, there'll be enough to talk about in another roundtables. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and I'm just going to say, I will watch those for the first time then. Uh, the, the, <laughs> this is the... This experience has taught me, like, these movies do not do not speak to me. And, like, what it's going to take is somebody be like, no, 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 this is the Annabelle creation of, of the nun movies or something. <laughs> Where it's like, no, 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 even if you don't like these movies, even if you aggressively don't like these movies, this one's good. Um, yeah, I even the, the James Wan stuff, I, I it's just not for me. I, I, I don't know. Like, I can appreciate his artistry in terms of how he constructs the scares and that kind of thing. And I think you're right. Like, he has a, a very unusual sense of timing that that plays into that. Uh, I think all of that is, is accurate. I just don't care for those movies. And part of it does come from the fact that I just like, and Lorraine Warren, I are contemptible individuals yeah, yeah. in my mind. Um, but when you get to the spinoff movies, that's where it's just like, we're just churning these out <laughs> because we, we know we, from a very cynical point of view, we can make money off of the name recognition of these movies. Yeah. And and you're filling in you're you know like you're coloring in those lines, and there it takes a very talented filmmaker to take the the property. You know, it, it, I I don't think it's any different than those Mission Impossible movies, for example. Yeah. Of like we know we're going to make another Mission Impossible movie. We know we're going to make another James Bond movie. We know we're going to make another Contrary movie. The question is, is this one of the good ones or not? Um, and it takes somebody that, you know, can bring some, some creativity and some, some inspiration to a franchise and make that franchise, uh, feel relevant and fresh and all that. And I think, you know, David Sandberg did that, uh, like gangbusters in this, uh, this franchise. And I just, I don't think anyone else has. Uh, so I, you know, I, I don't rule out the fact that there could be a very good nun movie. Uh, there just hasn't been one yet. Mm -hmm. You know, like at, at some point somebody will do that because they, until people stop going to see these things, they're going to keep making them. Pass it to Jamie. Final thoughts on the one of experience. Uh, that, well, I said it in the beginning. This is the sad second half. <laughs> Most of these are pretty sad. Um, I, I actually do like, like, genuinely like three of them. Mm -hmm. And um, that's Annabelle Creation, which is the best of all of them. Um, I do actually like Insidious 3 and Annabelle Comes Home. I'm okay with the nun. Anything beyond that, it's they're just sad. But... And it's kind of disappointing because I feel like I was much higher on the James Wan films, um, mm -hmm. the Wanaverse. So it's it just goes to show that handing over these franchises to just random people doesn't always work. So I felt like it worked when he gave it to 1L because 1L knows 
what he's doing. I mean, he, like I said, I, you could have told me that James Wan directed that movie and I would have believed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sandberg clearly knows what he's doing. So I think that worked. Uh, for the most part, though, they just, they, they seem uninspired and mm-hmm. uh, kind of lazy and sloppy. So the worst ones do. They just clearly didn't seem to care. And that's a shame because I feel like all of these had the potential to be something really good if you give a damn. Yeah. And if you don't give a damn, it shows. I think from from my perspective, I mean, the one big takeaway from this is every single one of these movies has been a success in terms of money. They've more than made their money back, and it was like Bo was saying, you know, if you if people stop going to see these movies, then you know these movies will stop being made, and I can't see that changing any time soon. I think they have stumbled on a, a very simple formula. It's it's kind of weird. It's like the, the the formula that they've stumbled on is this bankable formula that companies like Blumhouse, which goes in a different direction entirely. It's like micro budget, well, five million budget, uh, with directors that just pitch their own scripts and you get to make your movie. Um, in the case of this one, it's like no, no, no. We're just going to keep building on top of kind of tertiary sort of. Um, elements of the main big movies we spoke about this before as well that between the two conjuring movies they are the most successfully successfully financial what would be classed as series of movies and that's just two out of any franchise in horror which is fucking nuts two movies have outgrossed any other franchise horror that's out there and that's that this is why you're getting all these. I kind of agree with Jamie. I and well, definitely agree with Bo in terms of the necessity to make a movie about something. I should always feel should be driven by the idea that you feel there is a story to tell, and not because market research tells you that people that saw your movie were scared of that doll in the corner. So let's give it a movie. Um, I think that's what you get a lot of here. It's interesting to me that the movies that are the ones that are standout are the ones that start doing kind of different elements, put their own spin or own flair on them. The ones that are the most generic are the ones that I just can't be bothered with at all. The ones that just don't inspire anything with me, whether it is entertainment or the capacity to stop yawning when it's on the screen. I think... James Wan, and we, you've heard my thoughts on him, I think he realistically in my eyes has one really good movie, a couple of decent movies, and then some movies that I just don't like at all. But what he seems to be really good at is building platforms which lend himself to the opportunity for someone else to carry something move forward. My issue is that I don't think any any real care or consideration is given to the way that those things are carried forward out with we need to and it is it all feels like market research to me all feels like you know a test screen and you sit down um you know what character did you relate to what what one of the three things that were in the background creeped you out now why did it creep you out right 
right Jim <laughs> take notes in the, the booth behind the, the mirror and let's get a movie made because that's how these feel and when you approach a project for cynical purposes and not for an artistic love of making movies I think it shows and it certainly is is, is evident over most of these movies here um, there's a lot more in the pipeline <laughs> like they've got these things mapped out um, and we'll map out more and more and more and we'll see where they go I mean it is it is worth sitting down and going through these seven movies to watch Annabelle Creation I will watch you know <laughs> six shitty movies to watch Annabelle Creation because I genuinely think that movie is great I think it's the, the rarity where for all the right reasons and a good director all the things line up um, it's just a shame there wasn't many more Annabelle creations on this list um, with that like we did in the previous one it's time to go round and do it in reverse order least favourite to favourite of these movies I will kick us off my least favourite of the seven that we watched was Insidious The Last Key yeah we have weird leery horrible sleazy Tucker and Specs macking out on 17 year olds and uh, the realisation that a character who maybe struggles with uh, the ability to emote on screen has just found out that her father has buried people in the walls um, yeah it's a it's a bad dumb fucking movie uh, Bo Ransdell what's number 7 on your list last on the release list last on my list Annabelle comes home <laughs> you fucking madman you fucking psychotic man you wrong think- <laughs> The last key is a better movie than Annabelle Comes Home. I think maybe because it's the last one, it was the last one I had to watch. Right. It just took the brunt of my ire of like, (laughs) that's right, you're the last one. Fuck you. (laughs) You can die and go to hell, Annabelle Comes Home. (laughs) I cast you back to hell. To hell. Um... (laughs) Jamie, what's what's number seven on your list? La Llorona. Uh, (laughs) Number six on my list. Oh, uh, you little weeping one. (laughs) Weeping one. Still yourself a killed. (laughs) My Llorona. There's a making of a song somewhere in this. Uh, Number six on my list was the first movie we discussed about on this run. It's Annabelle. Uh, Yeah bland, generic uh, takes far too many liberties with much better movies um, and shot better so holds up slightly better and to be honest it's probably joint fifth with uh, with the movie that I'll announce next and um, that I feel about them exactly the same way uh, but Annabelle's number 6 on my list Bo though number 6 on your list yeah and to, to piggyback on what you said my bottom three are all equally despised by yeah. me I, like, they're interchangeable it doesn't really matter so uh, the nun would be uh, right above Annabelle comes home for me wow uh, right Jamie what's, what's, what's number six on your list Jamie Annabelle Annabelle. I think our list is actually surprised. Like out where she belongs. <laughs> yeah, I think I, th- I actually think our lists might be a lot more similar uh, the further we move up here, Jamie. I've just got a sneaky, sneaky suspicion. Um, right, number five on my list is the Curse of La Llorona. Uh, yeah, yawn. Hashtag yawn. Uh, Bo Ransdell, five on your list. 
Uh, the last key, Insidious. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was coming up. Should be much lower. You. Bad. I mean, again, if you want me to move it lower, I will. It's <laughs> all three. All three of those. Insidious, the last key, the nun, and Annabelle comes home. Are are. I will never watch those movies again. <laughs> Jamie, what's number five on your list? The last key. The last key. That's yeah. There, I mean, so basically, you and I have La Llorona and Last Key switched. Yeah, and I think the, the lineup of what the rest of the, the movies are. They're the same bottom three. They're just flipped. Yeah, we might be. I think our top twos are going to be the same. I think three and four are going to be reversed. Because number four on my list is The Nun. Um, loved some of the visuals. think it's too dark in places. Don't really like the story. I think The Nun's a cool character. We just should do something with it. Uh, Boran's number four on your list. Uh, Annabelle. Cool, uh, Jamie. The nun. Oh no, I think ours is identical then. <laughs> uh, there we go. Uh, number three on my list is Annabelle comes home. It's a big ball of fun, Bo Ransdell, and you're not fun. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> you get a raspberry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> been told that before. Uh, Bo, what's number three on your list? Uh, Insidious Chapter Three. Cool, and Jamie. Uh, Annabelle comes home. Uh, we do have exactly the same uh, <laughs> top four. Uh, number three on my list is Insidious 3. Surprisingly moved up um, on that most recent watch. Yeah, it has issues. Definitely has issues. There's no getting around the issues that I have about that one. The big one being there really is no purchase on any pearl in that movie. Uh, and I don't think we need it um, at all. That being said, though, some really creepy cool setups and it's the movie that made me discover that Bo has a fetish about cars hitting young girls. So, <laughs> so uh, that's why it sits at position number two. Bo, what is number two on your list? Uh, My Yorona. That is nuts. It's, Look, it's, it's fucking nuts, man. It doesn't don't make any fucking sense. It's like you're trying to troll me. Let, let, let me, just to tell you, uh, the bottom three, I, when I reviewed these, all one and a half stars. Annabelle and Insidious, uh, chapter three, two stars. Majorona, two and a half stars, because it was completely <laughs> mediocre. So the number two on my list is a movie that I don't really care about that much. <laughs> it just blows, it just blows my mind. Uh, GB number two on your list? Insidious Chapter 3. Yes, which means all three of us, after all our quarrels and squabbles and disagreements, are going to, once again, Voltron up like motherfuckers. Number one on the list is obviously Annabelle Creation, a legitimately fucking good movie. Like, yeah, it's great. It creepy, tense, well yeah. shot, well acted. Good yeah. characters, yeah. people like... like even the minor characters, you kind of know, like, wh- why they behave the way that they do, and yep. you actually care when, like, the shitty girl that gets stuck in the barn, you're like, well, she's kind of the mean girl, but I also don't want her to die horribly like this. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's just front to back, a really, really, really good film. I'd like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm happy about that one. Jamie, do, do you agree? Is it your number one? I know it is, but... Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's the only, like, legitimately really strong, you know, straight up, no one can argue that's a good movie movie. 
Yeah. No one can argue that it's not a good movie. movie. It's it's the the hundred monkeys at typewriters <laughs> finally came up with, you know, Twelfth Night when it came Annabelle Creation time, where it was like, holy shit, we accidentally made a great movie, everybody. Oh. David Sandberg was like, I know. Yeah. I'm awesome. <laughs> well, yeah. Thank I'm, you, monkeys. <laughs> I, I'm gonna go make a good superhero movie now. How about that shit? It is a dance. I get like I, I, oh, I did love that Shazam. I thought it was kind of amazing. It's a great family movie. Yes, agreed, agreed. Well, there we go, ladies and gents. So, you've heard it from our mouths. We promised you it and delivered it, and we delivered it just under three hours. Um, and recording which I will take that as a fucking win um, that is your Wanniverse part 2 episode now guys I love doing these uh, we have a lot of chatting over the summer but I would say kind of post the summer series we should try and think of a interesting topic which would get us all back to do something like this I don't know what that would be, but we should try and do so. We should do this again, is what I'm saying. I enjoy spending time chatting with you guys. Um, I was telling you off air, and I'll, I'll stick with it here. Always surreal when I get an opportunity to chat with buddies because you are very much the reason that I have a horror podcast. So it's always cool to to, to sit and uh, uh, and mac out with my 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 devour the podcast homies. <sighs> Sigh, swoon. Um you have fun. Did I ever tell you <laughs> my hero? And then... I gotta tell you that every time I do this with you guys, um, well, I mean, Bo's always along for the ride for whatever reason. But, <laughs> <He's> um, always... <laughs> and... I'm the back I of peanuts sh- on the flight. Yeah. I can't do shit without both. <laughs> Tagging along. No, kidding. Um, no, whenever I record with you two guys, it's like going home. It really is. Because um, Duncan, we go way back. Mm-hmm. Bo, we go way, way back. Way. And it's just, it that means a lot to me. And it's rare these days that I get to talk to either of you, unless it's like some big, like, massive roundtable mm-hmm. thing or, you know, what, like there's a whole lot of, of, of fuckery going on with <laughs> lists of shit. Um, it, it's, you know, it's, it's not often that we get to just do a show. Yeah. And, you know, just, and I like it. It's fun. It, it's it's like going home. So I appreciate you for, both of you, for enduring this. Because I know I kind of forced it on you. Because I was just like, I've got this title and we have to use it. And, um, because <laughs> you know how I get, you know. Um, by the way, Masters of the Wandiverse, that's what we are. Yeah. Um, now, and yeah. now, yeah, you've all been inducted. Um, abducted, then inducted. That's <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I appreciate you guys being willing to go through all this <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> and I admit that there's a lot of bullshit here. And But I hope that you had a good time. Because I, I did. Yeah. It's always fun. And listen, we've been doing these. Like me, me and you, Jamie, started doing these way back with, uh, like, Micklemania. Right. Way fucking back in the first year of the podcast doing Jim Mickle movies and we've continued that theme through. Bo's obviously tagged on at some point. We can't get rid of him now. Um just yeah, I came I came on board for Shaflanigans. Yep. And stuck and, around Yeah. For this. So yeah, we'll have to do like a, a 
Corna Coscarelli or yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, 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 like we will we will work out something and we'll do one later on in the year for sure. After summer's kind of died down, then like, the the madness of all those recordings, we'll get another one. And we'll, uh, actually, listeners out there, if there's a theme that you want to propose, I'm not saying we will do it, but it'd be interesting to see how creative you guys can get as well. There's a series of movies that fit nicely under an umbrella that you think that we could cover on this and uh, we can muster the energy to, to watch them, so don't just pick utter shit because we won't do it. Um, no, not happening. Uh, then we'll come back and do this again. Uh, Jamie, Bo, you both have phenomenal shows um, out there and you are hardworking at what you do and very fucking talented at what you do. This is the point where you get to pimp your wares. Jamie, where can people check out the stuff that you do? Well, I do the ABCs of Hidden Horror with Brian and Dave, and we just released the latest episode just a couple days ago, and that's episode Y. Um, so we're getting through. We have one more episode in season one of that. I also do a spinoff show there called Attack of the Colossal Collection, where Brian and I are going through all of our movies in order. Mm-hmm. And uh, he hates me for it, but um, <laughs> we do quick little, like, basically uh, run through, like, five-minute reviews of each movie that we're watching. And that that show actually gets a lot of feedback, and people seem to enjoy it, which makes me really happy. Because I was like, who the hell wants to hear about this? But it they seem to be enjoying it. And what they like about it is that, I mean, like, we've had listeners send us, like, this is what I've gathered so far. You know, Brian hates monkey detective movies, and <laughs> that is a true story. Um Paul loves monkey detective movies. He loves that (laughs) shit. You know, we have a lot of those 50 packs, like those horror 50 packs, like the classic horrors, and they are full of, and they're usually ape movies, but they're full of like gorillas in detective movies. And I don't know, it's bizarre, but it was a thing in the 30s after King Kong. Um, Gorillas were everywhere. So. Anyway, we do that. I also do Cinema Beef with Gary and Suzanne and Iris. Uh, where we talk about pretty much whatever that we genre hop all over the place. Mm-hmm. I do a weekly podcast that is the Married with Children podcast where we're going through that series one episode at a time. And then, of course, there is Liking It that uh, has come back. We mo- we recently dropped an episode with the boys from Podcast on Haunted Hill. Mm-hmm. and lot of fun they came on to talk bad moon with us and we had a good time i love those guys so nice. that's pretty much what i'm up to nice borans though i uh i what are these podcasts that you speak of <laughs> um no i so in addition to all the stuff that uh, we host over at legion podcasts uh legionpodcasts.com um, you can find lots of shows with lots of different hosts about lots of different subjects. The ones that I do, uh, I, I do one called Pick Six Movies, uh, in which me and uh, a guy that I met in kindergarten uh, named Chad uh, pick six movies based around a common theme. This season, uh, we are doing uh, the 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 name of the of the season is We're All Gonna Die, uh, and we have done. Most recently, Terminator Dark Fate. We have done Kingdom of the Spiders. We have done The Happening. Um, uh, Just a great selection of movies. So you can find that over on legionpodcasts.com or pick6movies.com. You can also find uh, at Legion Podcasts uh, Hero Hero Go Show, which is all about uh, Asian horror. Uh, We just wrapped up doing 
a discussion of the Whispering Corridor series, the South Korean films, with one Richard Glenn Schmidt, which you may uh, you, you may be familiar with. He He's is, very uh, dreamy. Very dreamy. He, he is a dreamboat. And uh, and finally, Duncan, uh, here's a show you'll like. I am not familiar. Yes. <laughs> uh, with the movies or Richard? Either way, you're fine. Um, with Rich, no, Rich, Richard? Rich, Richard? Is that right? Yeah. Uh, not- he goes by Dickie G. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they just had their 200th episode of Hello, This is the Doom Show, which is uh, which is fantastic. I'm so... Hello, I'm, this is the Doom Show. Yeah, it's... Got, not real happy that they changed the theme, but... Okay. Oh, I bet. I've, I mean, they, anyway. No one likes change. Obvious reasons. No one likes yeah. change. Yeah, I, like the reason they had to change it is even worse. But <laughs> at any rate, um, so we just finished that up. And then Duncan, uh, a show I think you'll like, uh, is one that we do called Duncan and Bo Come Correct. I didn't um, sign off on this. You have, you have appeared on that show for almost every episode, <laughs> <laughs> along with me. Um, and, uh, and and we're doing monthly shows now uh, where we ask listeners questions in addition to talk about the movies we're watching. And that has become a pure joy. Yeah, we, we actually physically get listeners on the show and then barad- <laughs> give them a barrage of questions. Uh, mostly silly questions, but we feel they deserve it more every second. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the listeners have been giving it to us for some time and we felt like it was it was only right. That they get one right in the poos. Right in the poos. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, thank you very much for joining me. Honestly, it's been an absolute... Let's see, even if the movies aren't great, the conversations are always a ton of fun. And hopefully you, dear listeners out there, have enjoyed listening to us work through the Wanniverse on this part two. I'm going to take a very short break. When I come back, I'm closing out the show and I'm doing it right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been episode 231 of the Wanniverse, part two, the concluding part of that roundtable series. Thank you very much to my guest, Bo Ransdell and Jamie G. Sammons for bearing through some not great movies in order to record this show. Always a ton of fun. And there will be some future roundtable series of some description, looking at some director or some linkage to movies with the three of us somewhere down the line. Hopefully in 2020 and delivered in 2020. There's a multitude of ways to check out the show. Wherever you're checking us out right now, hit subscribe on that feed. That way you never miss an episode. Like I say, six episodes coming out this week, so you do not want to miss an episode. Make sure you're subscribed and you won't. It's as simple as that. Subscribe to that Teapots Collective as well. You're getting brand new episode this week, Chronicle, and that way you won't miss that either. Visit our website, it's teapotscast.com. You can buy merch to support the show from teapotscast.bigcartel.com. Visit us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash groups, forward slash teapotscast for the podcast under the stairs group page. For the Teapots Collective page, it's facebook.com forward slash teapotscast. You can interact with myself and the Baz on the twin prongs of social media sexiness. Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at Teapots cast and don't stop there check us out on the flick chat app flick chat is free and available for people with android or ios devices 
You just download FlickChat or join code STPUTSCAST and you are in. As simple as that. The podcast on this day will return to you tomorrow, dear listeners, as we drop our bonus episode with a review of Dreamland and an interview with that director, Bruce MacDonald. But until then, wherever you are, where the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs and I am signing off. And this time I will hit stop before you start going... (laughs) (laughs) I lied, I've kept recording.